Hello everybody and welcome to the Cane and Rinse podcast, volume 8, issue 380, and it's our Pilot Wings 64 show following up our earlier podcast, which was number 364 about the Super Nintendo Pilot Wings. We're also going to wrap in a little bit about Pilot Wings Resort and the never released follow up in this show. For whatever reason, we've decided that Resort wasn't worth its own podcast. Mm. That's probably unfair but mm. we didn't have the we didn't have the collective will to make a show about it and if you don't have the collective will you can't make a cane and rinse podcast so there it is uh, complaints to the usual address maybe we'll readdress it uh, play along with our upcoming shows though they include in a very different sort of form and atmosphere uh, we have observer and after that, it's Final Fantasy XII. Obviously, that will also include discussion of the more recent Zodiac Age remastered versions. After that, it's a slight change. We were going to be doing Metal Gear Solid Five, Ground Zeroes and the Phantom Pain. But due to the Shovel Knight DLC being postponed, we're going to postpone that podcast. And we decided to split Metal Gear Solid Five into two shows, giving us plenty of time to discuss all the mechanics and so on in the first show. And then we can go deep into the sort of the craziness of the actual Phantom Pain story and stuff in the second podcast much later this year. Superhot comes next and Superhot VR. And after that, it is Prey 2017, following up our Prey 2006 podcast. CanaanRinse.com, as I always tell you, is the place to go for the schedule to the end of the year. And you can find links to our other outlets and various bits and bobs, as well as bits of writing and the odd forum post and uh, so on and so forth. I mean, blog post. There's also a forum, canarince.com slash forum. Join the community there. And you can get every podcast we produce a week early and often extended by a significant amount in a sort of director's cut format. You get that for supporting us to the tune of a dollar a month, which is currently around 81p or 0.9 of a euro. It's about 22 cents or 18p a week. To get early podcasts and extended podcasts, uh, you get three-month early access to our format specials. You also get an exclusive monthly show with Jay and I. So please do consider doing that at patreon.com slash Don't forget our other podcasts. On Fridays, Sausage Factory with Chris O'Regan interviewing developers. On Thursdays, Playwright, Ryan and Ryan come up with new ways to play from kind of elevator pitches. And on Wednesdays, it's our Sound of Play podcast where we play music. We talk to guests, including some notable composers. We recently had the mighty Grant Kirkhope on. Darren here uh, was fanboying out and it's lovely to hear. And subscribe, review and rate to this show and all of those on Apple Podcasts, RSS feed based apps, smart speakers, Spotify. You can listen actually just to this one on Spotify uh, or wherever you get your media. And you can always download and stream any and all of our old podcasts at canarince.com. We've had to take some of the oldest shows down from Apple and other services recently due to technical issues. We've made too much content is the short version. So canarince.com, you can get any of our old shows there. We also stream. We have a Twitch and a YouTube. Check out the Twitter to find out when we're doing that. Often Sundays, Mondays, occasionally Thursdays, uh, Twitch and then YouTube. Subscribe to both. And follow us on Instagram and Facebook and Twitter. Thanks. So in an unusual move, uh, this show, it wasn't planned, but it's just two of us 
So joining me, Leon Cox, in issue 380 is Darren Gargett. I'm starting to get a complex because I'm the Second only one. Time. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Uh, Darren Goose Gargett. There you go. I've given you a nickname relating to the game in question, which is Pilot Wing 64. Uh, yes, Mikhail uh, has had to go to Nepal. Just got to. <laughs> Just got to. Lads mm-hmm. on tour. And uh, yeah, car had to drop out for family reasons outside of podcasting so here we are i hope you'll forgive us hope we can have a nice time just darren and i talking about pilot wing 64 Mm. which is an amateur flight simulation according to some descriptions as i say listen to the the earlier pilot wing show if you don't know what pilot wings is based on the amount of correspondence we got or haven't got for this show and three word reviews and so on it seems that pilot wings is a bit of a forgotten thing uh, we've got two three-word reviews, which you'll hear later, 50% of which are incredibly negative. <laughs> so I don't know what's happened to poor old Pilot Wings, but mm. I think you'll hear from the show that at least it means something to us. So let's start with uh, Darren. Uh, we've Regular listeners will know that you were kind of a big N64 guy and still are. Mm. Was Pilot Wings an important part of your N64 experience? Um not really. It's a bit of no. an well for me. It's a bit interesting because as much as I love the N sixty four and the original Pilot Wings game, I never had the money to you know buy my own. You know, um, yeah, I never sought out my own copy. Basically, yeah. it was always Will Kip. You know, the the elusive Mister Man. <laughs> uh, but the histories of the game. You know, he had a copy of the game and he was he was very very good at it. It was like, it, of course he was because it was it was Kip, right? He, he was good at everything he touched, and yeah. if he wasn't, you knew the next day he would I hate be. those guys. Uh, he was he was ridiculous. Like he he still like it now, but more parenty because he's got a child now and it's just like he just right. he's just good at life and if he's not he will research a way to find it and so watching him play pilot wings was kind of my way into that game it was oh pilot wing 64 i like the snes one let's have a watch and he would primarily play birdman um because he, by this point yeah. he completely smashed the rest of the game and he was just looking for more stuff to do that's free row mode for those who don't know effectively it's mm. uh it's a it's a time and uh, aim-free mode just to fly around the map by flapping your arms. Yeah, literally a man uh, with bird wings, right? And yeah, you, you just you just casually fly around the island. But over time, I got to see, you know, the real, the the, the kind of the, the, the juxtaposing vibe that Pilot Wing 64 has. And it's like, it's really goofy, but also really serious at the same time. And yeah, yeah. so seeing all the mini games first, I think I saw like the, the fun stuff first, because as a 13, 14-year-old, you're probably going to go for the rocket um not the rocket the cannibal man thing first <laughs> there you go there's another faux pas for my pilot wings knowledge um, rocket man rocket where we there is rocket belt <laughs> no. and human cannibal human yeah. cannibal thank you so much uh yeah and um yeah and the jumble hopper and all the crazy stuff and then we went back through the original game and just kind of just did it again because that's what you did back in the day when you didn't have all the games you know in a digital library you kind of replayed your old games again and again uh yeah so i never owned a copy um but i definitely had experience with it you know a fair bit around his house and uh, i remember seeing the credits on, on a save file of my own um thinking well that, you know that's pretty good you know all bronzes like it was just a minute ago because i literally uh, an hour before recording i'd finished it for the second time you know nice. in my life but it's always a game that i've been fond of you know and for reasons that i'd never really why i don't know really why i, I liked pilot on 64 so much because it's always in the back of my mind and i think birdman is is a lot to do with it i, I just remember after playing goldeneye and diddy kong racing and all the games you know all the n64 games we would just stick on birdman of like a midnight thing to do before mm. waiting for this late night gaming tv show to come on at like 
I don't know, 2 a.m. on Channel 4, and it'd be like, oh, the latest games on, you know, like a listicle thing on TV. We'd just play yeah. a bit of Birdman just to kind of just zone us out and, yeah, just drinking, I don't know, what, what would Lemon Fanta at the time? It's just new out or something. And <laughs> Ma- Maverick bars. Oh, God, nostalgia. It's great. And um, <laughs> you're, like a, you're like a one man Peter Cage show. Oh, no, wait, he is one man. Uh, let's just say stuff from the 90s for oh, two hours. Great. I think some people would actually enjoy that. RF but, uh, units. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, we will talk about the uh, the audio visual aspect. Yeah. And actually, you did make me think of it there already, just because one of the things that will be lost, maybe some of our listeners will go and seek out some footage if they're not familiar with this game. And they may have, you know, they might have mixed feelings on it. Obviously, people will accept that it's the uh, best part of a quarter of a century old, uh, but also that, you know, um, there was the famous N64 blur and fuzz. But mm. actually, for all that, this was a bit of a... Pff, kind of landmark visual title at the time it was just it was really really impressive to have this sort of level of 3d uh simulation on our on our little home screens whereas often we talk about how 2d 16-bit graphics have perhaps aged more gracefully than a lot of 3d early solid 3d polygon games from from this generation of machines i would say in this case like although pilot wings on the snes still looks cleaner and neater Mm. Uh, in terms of which one actually sells the feeling of being in the sky above land, I would say like Pilot Wing sixty four knocks the SNES game flying. Really, it's mm. uh, for me. It's still even though I haven't my history with the game is I played it an absolute ton at the time, and I haven't been back to it because I don't have an N sixty four. My this was one of the games that almost sort of made me keep hold of my n64 my pal n64 because uh it hadn't been re-released on virtual console but i assumed that it would be at some point mm. and it hasn't and there may be reasons for this we'll get into the development shortly but this was actually a day one purchase for me i went to a midnight launch for my n64 i'd already paid uh, the money up front so it was a case of turning up to whatever it was called at the time either uh, game zone or eb or future zone i forget <laughs> at midnight on that uh, that day in 97 because we had to wait of course over in pal territories for mm-hmm. the pal machine i was vaguely aware by this point that we were getting a slightly inferior machine with with slower boarded games but it wasn't i wasn't at the point where i was you know rallying against it and was willing to spend the inordinate amounts of money to import an, an n64 so there i was slumming it with the pal version and yeah i think i actually picked up I think I paid for the N64 and Mario and possibly Shadows of the Empire as well. Mm. No, I don't think I did. No, I don't think I did get Shadows of the Empire. Um, I think I like caved in and bought that like the next day or something. But um, uh, but I bought Pilot Wing 64 on the night kind of thing. Mm. And it was uh, I remember it was forty nine ninety nine, whereas most of the cartridges at launch were fifty nine ninety nine. Mm-hmm. Uh, Turok was another tenner when that finally arrived in the shops a few days later as well. But there we were. So, yeah, uh, whereas my, my friend Pete, who I often talk about in relation to gaming in this era and Nintendo and stuff, uh, he, he, I don't think, like me, he hadn't played too much Pilot Wings on the SNES at this point and so wasn't necessarily sort of uh, frothing at the mouth to play more Pilot Wings. Uh, but it was one of those where I played it probably about, you know, I probably played about an hour of Mario 64 when I got home and then put on pilot wings and ended up playing it for a, a longer amount of time until the wee small hours than I was intending. And of course, the next day I was telling him, oh, my God, you know, not only is Mario 
this incredible thing, but also pilot wings. And uh, he came around and played it that day and ended up going and buying his own copy. And I think he ended up playing it possibly even more than I did. But we both played it a ton. I completed it multiple times. Um, I didn't ever manage to get 100 on everything. No. But I think our mutual friend Jim Thomas did. I have a feeling he was uh, absolutely hooked on this game mm. and, and fell in love with it until he, he aced every single uh, discipline. And that is no mean feat getting 100 on, on, on everything because uh, it's, quite, it's quite exacting mm. on some of them. And they're quite challenging, as you'd uh, expect. Uh, so did that cover all your history as well, Darren? Sorry, I yeah, so that. like most recently, literally. Um, yeah, you've been back to it. Yeah, been back to it. Uh, play, I've got both the Japanese version and the PAL version. Uh, right. Basically, I bought the Japanese one thinking I was clever because I've got both you know, versions of the console. And then I realised I couldn't understand all the text that's going on before mm. each mission. So I was like, well, yeah. no, I can't play this for on, you know, at the moment. So I ended up buying a PAL version off eBay for a few quid, luckily. And it, it came through the door for about £4-ish and then played through that. And then the Japanese copy had everything unlocked, so I was dabbling with the the, bo oh, right. the bonus modes and bits and bobs. So like, I've known this quite a while about the N sixty four, but like the complete difference in just color, resolution, everything about the Japanese version, and pr presumably the uh, the USA version. Yeah, it's just same. leaps and bounds above the PAL version, right? It's just uh, heartbreaking. Yeah, and I, I'm playing on a little LCD TV in this uh, in this basement sort of thing, and um, yeah, the PAL version, it just it's let a, like there's just so much going on. Well, there's so much blackness going Black, on around. Yeah. The, there's, yeah, not, yeah. there's not a lot going on, but there's just then you put I put the Japanese version in, it just pops, and you're like, oh man, like. I know we we've always moaned about this, but like I think Pilot Wing sixty four and maybe Wave Race was was yes. the biggest offender of these. Yes, oh, absolutely, um, yeah. Unfortunately, we've since had Wave Race sixty four in NTSC form on Virtual Console mm -hmm. on Wii U, but uh, but Pilot Wings we haven't. And yeah, if there's one thing that would make me go and buy Source uh, an an NTSC N sixty four console with an HDI, HDMI out or whatever, mm -hmm. it would be it would be that. But uh, I still cling to the hope that they'll somehow get over whatever humps it is that means that they haven't re released it. Uh, so it's a collaboration. This game uh, between Nintendo R and D three, which was actually their last game under that banner. Uh, they started in the mid eighties, ten years before this game, with pro wrestling and volleyball on the NES. Uh, two of the games that particularly get a criticized when people boot them up on the uh i think especially volleyball on the on the nes on the switch mm. online service people were really bad about that but they were also uh they also made star tropics which a lot of people still really love yeah, yeah. and super punch out on the snes yeah. and star tropics too as well uh before i guess they got re you know the the departments within nintendo got re re reorganized and reformed and whatever else but the main developer here is Paradigm Simulation. And this is why, in some ways, this game's so interesting. So this is from a Retro Gamer magazine article from 2013. It was uh, reprinted on Nintendo Life as well, so there's a bit more to it. But I thought I'd take this uh, passage to kind of go into the behind the scenes. So Paradigm, a, a member of Nintendo's fabled dream team, Texas-based Paradigm wasn't created with interactive entertainment explicitly in mind. The company was founded in 1990 by Ron Tupal, Mike Engeldinger and Wes Hoffman, explains Dave Gatchell, who acted as Paradigm's project manager on Pilot Wings 64. We focused on providing commercial products to assist graphics developers in creating simulation and training applications. We also produced and delivered turnkey applications such as flight simulators 
human factors analysis simulations, and 3D visualization applications. The studio's work brought it to Nintendo's attention, although this interest manifested itself long before Pilot Wing 64 was in the works. In 1994, we were approached by Nintendo regarding their new 64 bit console system. At that time, Paradigm developed products based on the Silicon Graphics SGI line of workstations. Nintendo was looking for select companies with 3D graphics experience and discovered us through their relationship with Silicon Graphics. Duties were evenly split between the two firms. Nintendo handled the game design, while Paradigm was responsible for the technology. Gatchel explains that they had little reason to complain with the balance of this relationship. Since it was our first game, we had limited experience as game developers. Prior to Pilot Wing 64, our strength had been high-end 3D graphics, developing tools and applications for the simulation and training industry. As a result, we worked collaboratively with the design staff from Nintendo. Our initial contact was Mr. Takeda, who at the time managed Nintendo's R&D 3 group, who was in, uh, was in charge of the overall N64 development. On the design side, the lead designer was Makato Wada, who was a member of Shigeru Miyamoto's design group. During the production, we learned a great deal from working with Nintendo, not just about game design specifically, but also about producing games in general. The schedule was extremely intense and the stakes were quite high for us, but overall it was a lot of fun. Nintendo was clearly leading the design efforts, however they were willing to consider suggestions from the team, explains Gatchel. In some respects, since the schedule was so tight, it really became necessary for the design and production team to work collaboratively. What sticks out for me was the schedule. Our goal was to be a launch title, and to achieve that took an incredible effort from the entire team, really the entire company. During the last four to five months, it wasn't unusual for the majority of the team to work through most of the night. Everyone really extended themselves to the limit. It's a familiar tale of end of dev crunch, but mm. they made the launch window even for the, for the NTSC cons. Do you have uh, memories of Paradigm? I know they went on to make uh, the Formula One game or games uh, that they yeah. did. So we're working in the game shops in town around this mm. time, right? I've had a lot, quite a lot, of, a lot of exposure to these games. Uh, Aero Fighters Assault, I didn't really like. It was, um, yeah, it was a, it was a kind of a bit of a shovelware nightmare for the um, N64, to be honest. For, for my personal experience, I remember it being just kind of a bit nothingy, you know. Uh, but you know the F1 Grand Prix games and and its sequel, like they were highly regarded from the customers yeah. who came in, and I seem to remember people like. I couldn't believe the response to an F1 game, and I know like that's it's, it's you know it's a sport that people love, but mm. there was never really that kind of enthusiasm for it as a game. Like people were playing it who weren't into F1, right? And the same for like Colin McRae Rally back in the day as well. People were like overly enthusiastic about F1 on the N64, and I think they ended up doing a PS1 version as well at some point. I might be wrong on that, or there was a very similar looking game that had like a very similar tech behind it. Um, but yeah, the, the the N64 games, uh, the F1 games, yeah, they they were highly praised, and I did check them out for a bit, and I thought, God, this is like it looks really good on the N64. You can you can tell Paradigm were a tech company, right? Because they were pushing like at points the N64 to to new boundaries. I remember like looking at the replays and stuff as you did back in the day of that era, like Grand Turismo, and I'm thinking, yeah, these cars look really nice. Um, but you know, you look you look through their um like their history and like Beetle Adventure Racing, it says here, and uh, that, that that that's yeah. a, that's a good game. I really, mm. I really like that. That was good. Cult classic. Uh, Makoto Wada, the, the chief sort of designer on the game from Nintendo's side, uh, started as a character designer on Punch-Out and Star Tropics, went on to direct Star Tropics 2 and Super Punch-Out. And then after directing Pilot Wing 64, 
went back to well i say went back but obviously this was an important role was the chief character modeler on pocket monsters stadium and provided the pikachu model for uh, the original super smash brothers still gets a credit in mm. super smash brothers ultimate for that <laughs> who doesn't also yeah well that's true good point also wrote the script for animal crossing the various animal crossing games uh, and pikmin 3 so a multi-talented uh, art designer and writer uh makoto wada so maybe one of those people that um as uh, the years go on will get more and more kind of acknowledgement as these names get better and better known which i think was a process we're still kind of undergoing is actually really um acknowledging the people who've made the games all these times so yeah, the game came out in 1996 in June 23rd uh, in Japan, September 29th, 96 in America and March 1st, 97. I remember it well. Uh, there are only a few reviews logged on uh, game rankings from the time, but it averages very well, 87.5%. was looking back at some of the individual scores and it wasn't uh, across the board successful. The people who liked it really, really liked it. So over here in the UK, it got a 9 in CMVG, a 9 in Edge, and 5 out of 5 in the uh, short-lived but much-missed Maximum magazine. <laughs> also, Game Fan gave it a 95, Game Informer 9.25. Uh, then some you know, high, mid to high 8s and stuff from EGM and IGN. Uh, Nintendo Power, slightly less keen in America, 3.8 out of 5. And then Famitsu in Japan were yeah, reasonably positive, but not super, 29 out of 40. And uh, an outlet known as Game Revolution didn't rate it much at all. D plus. Hmm. Um, perhaps it wasn't what they're after. But looking at user scores in 2019, Moby Games, it has a, a flat four out of five. And on Nintendo Life, it has an 8.2 out of 10. So, yeah, pretty decent. Sales wise, not much data out there. But uh, the figure I've seen in a few places is uh, a million. While Super Mario 64 initially sold at a one-to-one -one ratio with each console in the USA, Pilot Wings 64 sold an average of one for every fourth console. Despite selling out, some store locations for Electronics Boutique and KB Toys reported little or no units of the flight simulator being shipped to retailers. About 90,000 copies of Pilot Wings 64 were sold in the first few days on sale in the country, putting the game at number four on the NPD group sales charts for that September. In the UK, it was listed by Esquire magazine as the cheapest game in Nintendo's frighteningly priced opening range of titles. Uh, it was confirmed in early 98 that the game had sold over one million units worldwide. I remember that there were issues with uh, actual cartridge shortages early on mm. with the N64, weren't there? Hence the thing of Turok not arriving uh, day and date. I think it was actually yeah, manufacturing uh, pressures on the whatever factories it was that were putting the the cartridges together or the all the components that went into the carts i also seem to remember something to do with price fixing or i can't remember what it was with n64 Ooh. games but yeah i remember like mm. games like turok and that lot coming out our higher price was kind yeah. of yeah kind of a bit like of um agreed from publishers as opposed to mm. an actual issue like sure like cartridges were in short supply at that time but i think i might be remember remembering this uh, remembering this wrong but um yeah games like Turok coming out at a higher price and maybe something else i want to say yeah shim g maybe but like um mm. i think they were done for like price Shog fixing shogi shogi chess but i don't know maybe <laughs> <laughs> I, I, thought, I thought he said hoagie bears chess for a minute then and i was a bit confused yogi yogi That's bears it. chess yogi bears chess anyway um but yeah <laughs> I, 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 I seem to remember like um <laughs> a bunch of uh well not a bunch but there's a bit of a hoo-ha about n64 game price fixing 
and yeah. that got a lot of companies in trouble because they just saw you know oh, where yeah. like a land rush and they just bumped their prices up because it still happens at the start yeah. of generations doesn't it mm-hmm. uh, and obviously they had more uh sort of basis to do it because of the physical nature of the hardware uh, was this um i'm thinking off the top of my head is this the last obviously not including the switch which is a hybrid the last kind of fully cartridge-based non-portable console <laughs> that's a lot of qualifiers but yeah i think it was right yeah 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 and obviously it, it ended it meant that the the library was very different to the PlayStation's library, uh, so it had generally much less capacity but much faster access. Uh, so you could make bigger areas of game, uh, and but they tended to be uh, less sprawling in terms of actual kind of um, yeah assets and content and things like that. Yeah, it's, anyway, it's strange because that that never really affected my. This is probably more for the um the upcoming if we ever do it N sixty four show, but that never really yeah. affected my like opinion of the games like i know mm. some people are like oh, it's not on a cd it's rubbish and you're like yeah I, I, no no not, not really <laughs> like, like it never bothered me that cartridges i mean the price did you know stop me from buying a lot of games but i i, I just ended up just like really appreciating ones that i had and saving up i specifically remember diddy kong racing um mystical ninja starring you know Gam- yes. goman and conquers bad fur day like those three games i remember saving up for weeks and months i think i mentioned on the bad fur day show that i used to not eat lunch at, at college because i needed to afford it you know what i mean <laughs> like stories yeah. like that at the time you yeah. think it's a bit of an inconvenience but you look back and you just think oh yeah we really did some weird things to afford our games mm. and you just appreciated them more you know what i mean and that's not to say i don't appreciate games now i do like I've, you know i still think there's a lot of merit to them playing them in 2019 but ultimately like that kind of scrabbling around for money to buy a game and stuff is just a little bit of um yeah like a, a of its time for me anyway yeah because like, now I, you can obviously just steam sales and all that you can just pick up a game for a swan and it's just like yeah well you know that's like, yeah they're always throwing they always throwing stuff at us as well like you uh, you could just download the uh, the epic games client in the last few months and just you've now got yeah. a large library of excellent games for free that's it uh but yeah, no, I, I was older than you, still am, obviously, <laughs> uh, but I was earning some money in the 90s, mm. uh, had a job at this point, uh, but it was still not, you know, in, it wasn't something I could just do willy nilly. I was never earning a huge amount of money. Mm. So just, you know, I, I, I bought most of the games I wanted on N64, but it wasn't, it was never a, just an inconsequential thing to go and buy a new N64 game. And, uh, and I did enjoy buying those you know those big cardboard boxes with the big chunky mm. solid carts in there was something nice about it obviously i was buying ps1 and saturn stuff hand mm-hmm. over fist as well but it gave it you know it gave it its own identity and of course they factored the cartridge aspect into their advertising with the uh you know not like cds slow stuff but uh, there were n64 games that ended up loading right you remember um yeah i think it was commander conga had a loading Wipe screen out. Wipe, Wipe out, out 2097 yeah. i just thought yeah. it was a bit of a mickey take <laughs> Well, actually, I think I think this is interesting, isn't it? Because the assumption was that all data from a cartridge just kind of jumped Pop. into yeah, right. ROM kind of instantly. But actually, when you play a game from a game card now, there's a there, there are loading screens, yeah. aren't there? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's just so the I, naivety of youth, right? It's yeah. like, oh, why is it loading from a cartridge? It's obviously yeah. operating under a same a similar premise. <laughs> it still has that, to get yeah, what data from the yeah. cartridge into the limited amounts. Yeah, of, it's, uh, it's yeah. still got bandwidth, right? And it has to go for a certain yeah, channel to come exactly. up onto your TV. But like you know, as a 15, 16 year old, I'm seeing Wipeout yeah. 64. I was like, 
this is outrageous behaviour. And you think I totally remember the magazines calling them out for it. Not in a, like, you can't do this kind of way, but, you know, this is how they got, particularly, it was mainly to do with the soundtracks and stuff, wasn't it? It was to Mm -hmm. get all that uh, sampled music data, because as we've discussed many times, the N64 wasn't the strongest in the chip, you know, sound chip department. So a lot of the, so a lot of the sound had to be kind of super compressed and mm. rendered in a specific way. And then That's kind of spoken about on the, the Grant Kirkhope show, right? We spoke yeah. about, well, he spoke about how he ended up making symbols last for longer than a split second just by repeating it yeah. and stuff like that. So. Yes. Yeah. That's why you can sometimes hear on some games that little, that sort of slight pulsing. Yeah, for sure. The Baboon Baron from the forum says, I missed the first Pilot Wings. I was very young when the SNES was in its heyday and I had thrown stock behind my Sega Mega Drive. However, the N64 later won me over with its 3D worlds and soon after I purchased a copy of Pilot Wings 64 from my local games exchange. Hmm. I'm so glad I did too, as it was my first experience of what could be called a flight sim. Hmm. And as the Kana Rince team so accurately pointed out, Pilot's, Pilot Wings makes for a wonderful palate cleanser. Many wistful hours are spent soaring through the sky. At the time, the places you could fly around seemed truly massive, full of secrets and treats to be found. Modern sandbox games often boast of allowing the player to climb anything they can see, voyage to any mountain, or just fly off into the sunset. But Pilot Wing 64 was the first example of this to my mind, allowing the player to be limited only by their imagination and their fuel tank. Sure, looking back now, the roads had no cars, the fields no trees, and there weren't that many secrets to find though discovering that Mario could be turned into Wario with a well-placed rocket was pretty mind-blowing. <laughs> Nevertheless, it was a joy to fly around and attempt the increasingly difficult challenges. Back in the 90s in the UK, there was a magazine unimaginatively titled N64 magazine. At the back of each issue, they had the Skill Club, where a set of challenges were listed, and if you completed them and sent in proof, film-based photography of CRT TVs, a nightmare, you could be printed in the magazine as a bronze, silver or gold skill mm. club member. Mm-hmm. Seems silly now, but I worked ridiculously hard to obtain my gold membership and one such headache to complete was Pilot Wings. Make no mistake, this pleasant flight school game is really hard. Hang gliding alone took me hours to get the hang of, requiring a millimetre perfect control of the analogue stick mm. and remember to not stick the landing. Several of the challenges, particularly the later ones, required significant practice and not to mention luck to score that 100 out of 100 points. But it was all worth it, as replays had that rare, much sought after, just one more go quality that so many games don't have but wish they did. I have nothing but positive memories of Pilot Wing 64. You mentioned um, sticking the land here, right? Then mm. when we spoke about the SNES game, we said about how the D-pad kind of lends itself to more, you know, um, <laughs> easier landings, basically. Like, it was an easier... Like you had more control over your aircraft because you know you only had four ways to press. Uh, the N64 yeah. analog stick is yeah. Oh. I, I am accustomed to that controller like nothing else. Like it's yeah. part of my body sometimes. But with Pilot N64, I don't have a clue. <laughs> it's just all over the place sometimes. Oh yeah, like especially the hang glider. Right? I can't. I just can't get it sorted. You know. And sure, we've got you know all the bits and bobs to help you out around a level to boost you up. I'm not going to say it. And, uh, you know, you can you can break and you can, you know, well, I don't know if it's called breaking on hang gliding, but, you, you know, you've got enough control to make it happen. But I've never really nailed it down 100%. And the mm. chicken run level, for, um, is it chicken run? Yeah, that level where you nosedive off the cliff and you have to oh, go for yeah. all the rings and sharp turn at the left or right at the end. But it's absolutely exhilarating, right? But I've got a feeling that if, I, if this game was D-pad, 
uh, you know, a, a D-pad game as opposed to an analog stick game, I would have a better score because ah. as much as I love the analog stick on the N64 and, you know, right. games like Mario 64 and, you know, GoldenEye as a look device with 1.2 controls. For me and Pilot Wings, I just, I've never That's really been able to work out the science behind it because huh. I don't know. I really associate this game as being one of the sort of the early, why it was, I guess, why Nintendo was keen to make it a yeah. launch title was because it really lent on pardon the pun the analog stick mm. uh, in the in the sense that this was where this was a massive leap forward for this mm. kind of game being able to just tilt your nose or wing ever so slightly down or left mm -hmm. compared to the the d-pad incarnation which was very you know tap tap tappy no oh, yeah it's, it's a strange one because you like, like you say it is designed for a more yeah more finesse you know and uh, therefore mm. a better landing but with me it's just like uh, a lot of things with me in concentration with games like a level lasts like four or five minutes but by the time those four or five minutes are up my brain's just started drifting off because it's quite a relaxing experience can for be for the most yeah. part yeah and the music's really nice and just chill for the most part and so by, by four and a half minutes in my brain's like oh, what can I have for dinner tomorrow and all of a sudden I've like just tweaked the stick far too much oh. and right at the end of the landing and I just like all of a sudden the guy's just shaking his head at me on screen like behind his mm. little gyrocopter PM machine it's just like oh no come on Darren focus you know what I mean and it's just it's just one of those things it happens with like games like Guitar Hero and stuff like I mentioned on the Dyad show like my, my brain just sort of just drifts off and with Pilot in 64 it's like easier you know well it's easier done than said I tell you Let's talk about the locations then. So Pilot Wing 64 takes place across four distinct islands. You mm. can fly out to sea to an extent. Uh, but the four islands are Crescent Island, which is a fairly simple, straightforward uh, green place with a bay and some fields on one side. Then you've got uh, Everfrost Island, which is, of course, a snowy, cold place. Uh, later on, the weather gets pretty uh, challenging mm. around Everfrost Island. Holiday Island is a vacation-themed place, which I guess uh, kind of inspired later uh, Woohoo Island from uh, Wii Sports mm -hmm. Resort, which was also in uh, Pilot Wings Resort. Mm -hmm. uh, it's got some kind of, it's got a castle on it, and uh, I, assume, I think that's the one that's got a Ferris wheel and stuff like that. Uh, and then the Mighty Little States. Now, this makes me think of, going back to this, look, looking back at this, may, makes me think of the sort of theme park versions of places in the modern Forza Horizon games. So, like, the UK in Forza Horizon 4 is, is very much like a super condensed version of, yeah. uh, of that. And this is a bit like that. It's like the whole of the USA, USA-shaped, but it's got just a few landmarks here and there, the Statue of Liberty, Cape mm. Canaveral, and various other things. But, yeah, even though, of course, as, as our correspondent said, like, there's a lack of cars and things like that, but if you get down close to the ground, you can hear the traffic. They put <laughs> yeah. the like, traffic sound effects in there. Uh, every there's a lot of well, it feels like there's a lot of different ambient sound effects for different things that you go past like if you fly low over a boat you'll hear the boat the motorboat you know kind of chugging away and mm. all that kind of thing um do the whales make a noise i can't remember yeah it's, it's more yeah. like a splashy watery noise like yeah it's one of the things that surprised me going back to it you know this year in 2019 it's just how much ambience there is going on in the game right and uh listen, mm. listening to the soundtrack on its own I was missing those noises. It was just yes. like hearing the um, like the speedboat just cruising along. I, I didn't expect yeah. it. It's like it's it's a very simple noise, right? And it's just, but it adds that extra element of totally just yeah. believability in the world. And you can again, you can see why Paradigm were a tech company first and foremost, as opposed to a game design company, because mm. they thought about this stuff. It's like, well, no, mm. like you know, things make noises, and we, yeah. 
I really appreciate the world of Pilot in 64, but they're like, doing this in 96, right? And they're probably developing it in 94, 95 with these ideas in mind. It's just so forward thinking. And yet a company like Paradigm who have, like, if you told me Paradigm ended up making the Krypton Factor, you know, simulation thing back in the day, you'd believe it because playing Pilot in 64, you can kind of get the sense for it. Like, it just reminds me of that old school TV show sometimes because just the way, like, especially, especially the flight sim bit, of course, but like, generally it's got that kind of vibe, but also with a Nintendo vibe slapped on top of it and them two making a game together, you can hear it and you can see it in the game. So, for example, like, just chilling out on a hang glider with, um, you know, with, I don't know, Robin or Hawk or whatever, it's just so relaxing. But then when they bump into a wall, like this horrifying screech falls out of their mouth <laughs> yeah. and you're just like what is this game yeah. like it's so conflicting and it's like a aesthetic and just general attitude but it makes me laugh because it's just like i thought i'd just leave birdman on on my daily just to just to hear one of them fly around or just soar around and occasionally press the a button and i forgot to press the a button right yeah and i just heard this and you're like what is going on and then this lady's just bouncing off down the coast like yeah. as if like she's like you know as stiff as a board it was just hilarious yeah. yet comical uh, it, yeah it's, it's ridiculous how quickly this game can go from just you know duh, 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 i'm so cool and chill and then all of a sudden it turns into something like benny hill or something stupid slapstick yeah it's um, yeah a very um, juxtaposing game they went for a slightly different we were talking about the characters in the previous game with their sort of super uh, anime style kind of over-the-top expressions based on your performance and things like that and the way that that game weirdly goes off into that helicopter mission yeah. after all the flags <laughs> this never quite does anything like that but the character designs have been changed. So obviously you've got these sort of, uh, I mean, the, you don't really see too much of the characters close up. I suppose Rocket Belt you do. Mm. Um, these are pretty standard early N64 character models in the sense that they're made up of a, ch a bunch of chunky, puffy polygons kind of glued together. Mm. Uh, they've, they've got, they've animated with a certain amount of personality. So they will, uh, yeah, respond in different ways, depending on how well you've done at the end of a mission or whatever. Uh, but how do you feel about the actual look of the the sort of characters? I've, I've always thought they were odd. Mm. Um, the, as they look on the box, um, they're, they're all named after uh, different kinds of bird. Um, they 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 look a bit like those that sort of briefly popular CG silicon graphics rendered um, characters that you had. But I don't mm. know. I've I've never known quite what to make of them. They they I don't think they've actually become kind of iconic in their own own right but i do associate them you know very strongly with the game in the sense you know you've got the the the, the hawk with his big mustache and goose with his stupidly long legs and and american themed suit um but there's no real attempt to give them any personality beyond the way they look there's no flavor text or anything like that is there yeah you know yeah, i i agree like I, I think they're quite just uh just bland vessels for you to to play around with but then why introduce variable characters into a game where there's no, you know, distinguishing features between them? Like games like Wave Race, you chose the big guy because he was, you know, going to pound through the waves better, right? And uh, well, you chose the the lady because she had a bit more agility and stuff like that. And Hold on, is that not the case here? In Pilot Win 64? Yeah. Not that I recall. Like, I don't recall any kind of, oh. like, playing it now, like, there was no, I might be wrong, but there's no on-screen indication of, you know, he's heavier, therefore gyrocopters... Oh you know, a harder thing. Like, there's no stats going on on, on screen. Like, you just pick one of the six and they make their little woohoo and then that's it. You're like, 
But what's the point in even choosing any of these? Uh, rather than... I'm sure there is a weight class to it, as I recall. But at the... least a, a weight class. If there is, then I, I haven't even recognised it in gameplay or on, right. on screen with a HUD or anything like that. To me, it's just, you just, just pick whichever one you just fancy being at this time. And, you know, it's, it's kind of the opposite to the SNES game in that I was kind of, I wanted to choose a character mm. and then interact with these other characters on screen, like Tony and the other Lance and all that. But here, mm. like the, the the judgment screen is just really just kind of empty, and it's just a bit like do 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 do. You scored some points. You're like, okay, yeah. but like I I wanted the I wanted the intensity back of being judged and scowled or cheered like from someone because you just you just end a level and you're like, oh, okay, and then you know if if you win um you know if you if you get your pilot wings license or you know bronze silver gold, it does a little thing where they all fly towards the camera and they're all very happy and it's like do 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 woo. And then that's it, and you're like, but I don't know, I, 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 I did better than that. <laughs> you know, I don't think that the game is like patting you on the back enough cause for your mm. for your efforts. And yeah, it's, it's after playing the SNES one again recently, I just felt like there was something missing with the mm. the connective mm-hmm. tissue between the levels. And, right. And while like the 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 kind of the level structure is different in this game, and that you score a high score, and it saves that for the the three rounds right so you don't have to keep doing the first one again and again and again to get the overall yeah. score it just mm-hmm. saves your high score which you know has its has its pluses and it's you know minuses it kind of takes away the tension from the game for me overall but also you know i, I kind of appreciated having a little just gentle fly through yeah. to the levels and that's how i played mm. the snes game via save states well so. yeah yeah it's kind of a similar yeah. thing right uh, but yeah as um as characters and stuff for a nintendo game yeah i, I feel like paradigm was kind of <laughs> Like in charge of this sounds really harsh, right? But I feel like if Nintendo had proper control over the characters of this game, and I might be wrong, might be wrong, but I feel like they would be more charismatic. Talking about the game giving you rewards there, although it's a, it's it's a relatively minor thing, we're also talking about the sound effects there. Is this one of the first Nintendo games where it gives you an actual audible kind of cheer and round of applause when you do a good thing? There's I absolutely love those moments when you. Uh, you kind of go through a particularly difficult sequence of hoops and then you hear the crowd like yeah. from a distance all kind of going, yeah, that's, <laughs> that's such a cool touch. I thought. That, that's a very N64-ish era thing to do as well. You know, like it, that, that kind of like the sound effects on this game, they, they just seem like they were just pulled from a library and it's just like, that doesn't sound like anyone in the game, but I, I kind of appreciate the little, you know, the cheering and the, um, yeah, the enthusiasm, but it's as, all the people watching you. on. Oh, of course. <laughs> All of them, all none of them yeah. in the world, just making yeah. their their invisible cars beep and and stuff like that. Yeah. But you know, for, for an early N sixty four game, I can't criticize it too much for being sort of empty. It, like if it's a weird one, isn't it? Because if there was no car beeping noises, you wouldn't yeah. be looking for cars, and therefore you no. wouldn't have a problem. But then at least they've done some of the effort to make it sound like a city, right? And uh, yeah, yeah, it's a bit yeah. of a strange one. And you got to think, you know, it is really early three D gaming. So and you know, as a as a series of locations, they are like really well detailed. I think like the oh as, yeah, as, there's so much going on in the landscape. Like uh, yeah, caverns and there's underground networks and things you can mm, fly into, mm-hmm. and uh, loads of scenery, little secret places you can like rocket belt inside a skyscraper and find an N64 decal and all mm-hmm. this kind of stuff. Yeah, and I remember finding the first star in one of the caves, and I was like, "What is going on? Why is there? Why are there stars in here?" Mm-hmm. And 
that mystery of game design back in the day where you had to you know, look through magazines and like games like Fez managed to capture that essence as well, you know, relatively recently. Mm. But seeing a star just out of nowhere, just because we were playing the game, just felt like a true reward. And it was like, well, we've got to find more. What do they do? And therefore, you know, from there, you were just kind of that. Well, I guess that in turn was your connective tissue to carry on playing. But I do, I, I did miss the, the judging screen being, you know, kind of... <laughs> As much as we thought it was weird back on the on the SNES yeah. game, like I would have preferred just someone going, nah, like just a little character in a corner, just yeah. to make it a little. The bit presentation's more... quite dry, isn't it? And basic, yeah, I guess that's yeah. what I'm trying to say is a little yeah. bit kind of lifeless. But... <laughs> Who are we to call games dry when this is Kane and Rince? Uh Yeah, um, but I again, like I haven't been back to it, play it, playing it. Uh, so this is based on memory. But I, I mean, one good thing about this is it actually tells me how strong my memories in this game are because as soon I was watching a playthrough. Uh, as I was putting research together for the show and it all just came flooding back and I have to say that even though of course if you kind of step away and look at the individual elements of the graphics now they look very very blurry and hmm. fuzzy and indistinct and the textures are stretched out for miles and polygons there aren't that many but as an overall effect like the bit you were talking about where you dive off that 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 one hang glider mission where you go down and you you're kind of diving into this icy trench straight off the side of a mountain and there's all these rings lined up in front of you my stomach still goes a little bit when mm. you tip over that point i think it for me and maybe this is infused somewhat with nostalgia and having been there at the time but for me i still think it's quite effective even with sketchy frame rate you know very inconsistent frame rate and all that kind of stuff i think overall the look of it with its fuzz with its frame rate limitations and draw distance limitations and low poly and all that stuff i still think overall it has a certain look i'd love to see it just this game just remade in modern graphics with you know like just cause three or four level kind of graphics or mm. whatever not exactly the same style but that level of kind of modern realism but i'm i'm impressed by how Compared to, I think, even a lot of other N64 games, I think overall, the overall effect stands up. But I don't know, you've been back to play it, so how do you feel? Yeah, you know, you you do have to take N64 games, you know, for, for a long time, you know, as an N64 fan boy, you know what I mean? Like, mm -hmm. I, that console for me is really is a time and place, and therefore, you know, an absolute, it's, it's you know, it's, it's influenced who I am in terms of games tester and rare enthusiast and all that. So I've got a lot of love for it. But going back to it, you know, it is quite crude looking, but also like there was nothing else for me. Look, you know, there was nothing else out there that looked like that. I'd never really seen. Sure, you had like PC flight simulators and that, but I didn't have those. Oh, games, yeah. And I wasn't really yeah. interested in playing something like that at that age. Like mm. seeing all mm. like seeing all these games, uh, all these, I say like me, me uh, having a dig at the characters back then. But like the fact that they had any form of character on the box at all was, you know, an appealing thing for me because it does pull you in and go, oh, this isn't like a really like a really serious flight sim it is something you could play on the telly and therefore you know it's, it's nice and friendly and happy but in terms of um actual visuals in 2019 yeah it reminds me of blast core in that right it is really kind of bare bones you know like you say you can see the joins in the in the textures you can see that you can see through some of the polygons all the usual n64 things but even then like i don't think there's an n64 game afterwards that kind of nails that kind of maybe body harvest but i haven't really played body harvest recently. i think the fog was a lot worse in in body Harvest. oh yeah, I think, yeah the fog was awful in body Harvest. i think paradigm 
brought their their expertise to mm. getting the most out of this sil- you know this sort of silicon graphics element of of the N64. I I tend to agree like I I don't you know maybe Banjo-Kazooie kind of overall is perhaps you know one of the most spectacular looking games on the N64 but but yeah Pilot Wings always remained a, a highlight for me visually of mm. the system and I think yeah compared to some games I think it actually stands up relatively well. Cuz like N64 games when you start putting a lot of realistic detail into the game you'd see a lot of like decals and textures flickering with one another like i remember yeah. a lot of like um i think it was like top gear rally or mrc or something like just just the cars just standing there on or standing there just sitting there on the road mm. you'd see a lot of like wobbly like lines textures flickering things is happening yeah. and popping and that but with pilot wings like you rarely get popping unless you're really looking for it and that's that's really impressive for a game on that scope and yeah, you can fly pretty high and and pretty far away. You can mm. kind of turn around and everything's there and everything's still there in the distance. And yeah, it probably does pop in, but it manages to mask it pretty well. And in terms of the feel of difference, obviously you mentioned the the look of it. The the mm. NTSC version having uh, still has borders, doesn't it? But not yeah. nearly as big. Mm-hmm. Uh, they had to make some compromise. But does the NTSC the extra you know sixteen ish percent of speed and response time actually make the game feel better to play i think it personally i do think mm. it does with no, wave yeah. race no yeah i i do think the the japanese version is a better playing game for yeah. for pretty much every reason you could think of like you've right. got more you got more real estate it, the colors look better and yeah it, it just handles you know there's um there's a lot more responsiveness to the mm. controller yeah it's true and it's it's a shame because yeah a lot years, of us only ever played the inferior version mm. yeah mm-hmm. yeah it's a shame uh, Ian Ian Janssen from the forum says, I couldn't believe how good this game looked when it was first revealed. There was a VHS included in an issue of N64 magazine containing a short snippet of Birdman gameplay on the snowy level. I watched it over and over as a young teenager while I desperately tried to save for the console I would only get years later. Mm. And Simon Sloth says, this is an interesting point and something that uh, Mikhail probably would have advocated were he here and not in Nepal. Uh, Simon Sloss says, I bought an N64 for the first time this year for this game, as not available legitimately elsewhere. Playing it on my flat screen revealed an incredibly fuzzy, washed out experience, completely at odds with the screenshots I'd seen. So I went out and bought a cute little CRT TV. It looked phenomenal. By comparison, it was like a painting in motion with incredibly deep, vibrant colours. The N64 controller itself is also perfectly tuned for playing this game, and offered a level of precision I had not experienced in the original on Virtual Console. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So yes, uh, cathode ray tube, NTSC, N64. What else do you need to get the most out of this game? Uh, yes, those are things that I, hen- I intend to have access to in my in my dotage. Mm. I wonder how this game looks with that new HDMI adapter called the yeah. Super 64, is it, by Eon? Some, those are words that I'm saying that may or may not be correct. Something like that, yeah. I, I saw a, a John Linneman digital foundry thing about it i think hmm. or was it somebody else's video anyway yes apparently it, it does go some way to trying to replicate the look of what how an n64 should look on a cathode ray tube but on a modern telly hmm. let's talk music so this is part of the game that i remember incredibly well like all the tunes listening to it again already seared into my brain i'd always assumed uh, i guess i just didn't re- look at the credits too closely and I remember my friend Jim, who loved the game, as I said earlier, he uh, used to say that he imagined the music was kind of 
studiously reproduced funk from a Japanese studio. I always assumed it was a Japanese author, Japanese composer. It hmm. sounded so like the kind of Japanese jazz and funk that you would get in other games. But no, turns out it's entirely the work of an American called Dan Hess. Uh, he was uh, featured in an interview article with Nintendo Life again, 2013, which is weird why all these articles were in 2013, because it wasn't an anniversary or anything like that, as far as I can work out, <laughs> a significant one. Uh, but Dan Hess said, Pilot Wings 64 was my first experience of composing for a video game. I was thrilled to take it on as it was the realisation of a childhood dream. At the time, soundtrack development for games was 25% music composition, 25% sound development, 25% interfacing with team members and directors, and 25% software system manipulation. N64 cartridges had limited ROM, around 8 megabytes on this one, I think, and very little of that was dedicated to sound effects, let alone music. Soundtrack artists had to create sound databases of the instruments to be used in the game, then create MIDI sequences to trigger the sounds in order to produce the real-time tracks for the game. Even in the 90s, this was an archaic form of music creation, but such were the limitations of the video game systems of the time, or at least this one, the N64. Uh, composers who could work within those limitations were required. One of my fondest memories is of a Nintendo executive flying from Japan literally with a briefcase chained to his arm to show our team the then-in-development launch title Super Mario 64. We were all blown away and it served as motivation for us to make Pilot Wing 64 as good as we possibly could. My biggest challenge was communication and the culture gap between the Japanese with the Japanese Nintendo team. As a composer, I rely on direction from my client regarding types of music and descriptions of music desired for their project. When I came to find out what I came to find out quite painfully is that Japanese descriptions of music types are worlds apart from Western descriptions. Their idea of what pop, metal, hard rock, alternative, funk, soul, R&B and so on are quite different from ours, let me assure you. I wrote dozens and dozens of songs that were not selected before finally requiring the Nintendo team to provide reference songs to make sure we were on the same page for musical direction. It would be nearly impossible to express the frustration of the long development meetings where we relied on our questionable interpreter to communicate with the Nintendo team. We would ask a question which would invoke a 15-minute discussion between our interpreter and the directors, and all we would get as a translated response was yes or no. Really? That's your interpretation of his answer? After two or three hour-long meetings, we would emerge more confused than when we entered. It would drive us crazy. Wada-san asked me to create, quote, floaty fluffy tunes for the game. These were the actual terms he used. The characters of the game said, funky fun to me and I tried to incorporate elements of both. I don't know how many tunes I actually wrote in an attempt to please to appease Wada-san's need for a floaty fluffy but I think 20 would be a conservative estimate. I would write a few tunes, work them up and then present them to Wada-san who would give me some kind of puzzled look, smile and shake his head every time. This grew increasingly frustrating and became my main focus. One day I was playing around with various feels and grooves, searching for the Birdman track, when a tune began to form in my head and I quickly worked it up. Listening to it in its early stages, it sounded like a Barry White soul groove, chilled and kind of sexy, dreamy if you will. <laughs> I was slap happy by this time just creating for the sake of creating. At one point I threw it up on the speakers for Mike to hear with a smile and we both got a kick out of it. At that very moment, Wadasan happened to be walking down the hall just outside of Mike's office. He stood in the doorway and listened for a moment, 
a grin growing on his face, and began jumping up and down and flapping his arms. Birdman? I asked. His head nodded excitedly. I was pretty happy with many of the tracks because I was allowed a lot of personal freedom with the ability to instill funk and soul into the game. That was a big deal to me. I liked the rocket belt and skydiving tracks, but was equally pleased with the menu selection groove. The jumble hopper was another challenging track that I was finally able to create with the right energy. I'm most proud of the technical achievement of the soundtrack process. The entire sound database was under 800 kilobytes. That's less than a megabyte for, the, for those youngsters who have only dealt in gigabytes for the past several years. That includes all instruments in the game, sounds and sequences. Also, as the graphics were the priority, the designers limited me to six to eight voices at a time for my music. I never met Akito Nakatsuka, who has been listed in the credits of the game for music arrangement. I can assure you that I wrote, arranged, produced and installed, integrated each of the tracks in the game myself. <laughs> Which is interesting. Mm, that's quite so a may tale. Maybe I assumed that Akito Nakatsuka had more to do with it than uh, than Dan Hess says, but um, but I'm going to believe. I'm going to take him at his word. Um, but yeah, I love the soundtrack to Pilot Wing 64. It does, I suppose, suffer in terms of fidelity from those limitations that we've talked about and that he's talked about. But so many memorable vibes and tunes. The Hang Glider mm. tune is a particular favourite of mine in terms of the chill ones. I know loads of people love Birdman, which kind of evokes the same sort of kind of brain slowing mood as the theme from the 1970s sitcom Taxi. Um, but I also love the absolutely ludicrous Jumble Hoppers, theme, which is one of the most <laughs> joyful kind of children's TV program themes you could ever imagine hearing and with its completely loony wig out uh, solo in the, in the second half. What are your, what are your favourites and memories of the soundtrack? Yeah, it's um, you know, the, it's it's the Birdman for me. It's just so, for me, it's like a, it's an iconic thing. I, I'm surprised we haven't seen more of it in like Smash Brothers or something. You know, the, yeah. the SNES game gets a lot a lot more representation, mm. both visually and audibly. That that tale you just told from Dan Hess of like the endless meetings of you know being told no and and then all of a sudden yes, like you can kind of hear that in the music because it is kind of a bit all over the place and that sounds quite harsh, but there's not a really for me, there's not a consistent vibe. And, and overall, it is just like chill. But then mm. it just takes these massive, harsh turns. And you're like, what is going on? And that kind of is also reflected in the, uh, like I said earlier, in, in the gameplay and mm. kind of the audio that goes with the gameplay, right? And it's just how, like, just really quickly it will just change. And you're like, whoa, what's going on here? Like, I, I don't think it's that cohesive as a soundtrack, but I do actually, you know, I, I do have a lot of fond memories for it. Yeah. yeah. Um, yeah, so Birdman and uh, uh, the intro is really good for me as well. Mm, I've, I've heard yeah. it more than enough. And again, like the intro for me is always a big one and it, it will set a tone. Like and it does do that. It sets a tone quite perfectly. But yeah, some of the tracks in there, you just think, God, like the, the gyrocopter one is just like, it's, it reminds me of like the um, the helicopter missions from the SNES game, right? All of a sudden, it's just really kind of, down, down, down. that's why it reminds me of Blast Course, right? Because it goes yeah. really kind of like guitarish and mm -hmm. a bit gritty, so to speak, to use that term for audio. Yeah, Weirdly, I'd forgotten that one, even though I think I probably spent more time in the gyrocopter than ever, but I, I hadn't forgotten it in the sense of when I heard it, I immediately mm. knew it, but I, it wasn't kind of in my head in the same way that the other ones were, but that's I was right. listening to it on a loop today. Uh, just remembering that um, those those little brass uh, sequences, it reminded me a bit of um, uh, it's like Cool and the Gang, is it? 
kind of uh, celebrate good times that kind of oh yeah yeah kind of sense to it as well yeah, yeah the gyrocopter one is weird because it even starts off really moody so like yeah. something like that dun, a top dun, gun dun, or something dun, right dun, 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 dun. yeah yeah it it definitely i mean well we, we, we'll go on to the we'll talk about the the actual different craft but mm. um yeah and there's probably a one or two tracks that i have let like i can't remember off the top of my head mm. what the tune for the canon human cannon it's the same as the jumble hopper right it's, that'll be um, that'll be why yeah <laughs> like right. it's, it's very circusy it goes do 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 and it's very just like you know you expect uh, like a circus um, to come into town and start rolling around with like clowns on balls and stuff it's very yeah more like nintendo music than i mm. maybe it's kind of dan has trying to be more like nintendo with that track you know because mm. uh, like when you hit the target on the um the human cannibal it goes da da and it's all just oh, kind yeah. of a bit friendly and yeah but i'm a lot more yeah charismatic and nintendo like but then you've got other like well yeah the, the gyrocopter one for me is just like what is what is going on and it, it does add to the mood of you firing missiles right so i get why it's a bit of a darker tone because yeah. you are firing missiles with the gyrocopter yeah. but yeah i don't think there's a lot of connective tissue between the tracks and that kind of hmm. comes through in the um the, 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 I, I might be a bit harsh on that but like with like an n64 game like from like mario 64 for example and i know koji kondo is like you know super legend and all that but hmm. there's a thread throughout the tracks and it's the same for a lot of n64 games that i really admire whereas here it's just like oh okay that's okay that's happening and like, i don't even remember one for the skydiving if there is one at all, or if it's just a repetitive yeah. one for no, that. There is. But, um, uh, yeah, again, like the ones that I remember are the the light and airy ones that are, you know, relaxing. If it gets anything other than that, you know, it just kind of falls out the side of my head. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Well, let's talk about the gyrocopter as the first of the of the six distinct disciplines, I mm. suppose. Uh, so there's some controversy about this. I've seen in a few comments. Uh, I think it was Alex. 79 uk from the forum saying no plane no game that's like, exactly just... my i was about to say that i like... don't agree at all this is <laughs> I, I much prefer the gyrocopter the gyrocopter is cool ah uh, but the the snes plane is just it's it's, <laughs> an, it's an iconic part of the game right and that's representative that's representative in smash brothers because you're fighting on the back of a plane yeah like that that snes mode 7 plane for me is kind of the essence of pilot wings and when i first saw the gyrocopter i was like I don't even know what a gyrocopter is, and like now made famous, of course, in uh, in one of the Bond movies. I, I'm not a Bond expert, so no, I don't know which either. one it is. It might be from Russia with Love. He has a, a Sean Connery's Bond has a, a gyrocopter kind of dogfight, mm. and it became a really famous thing. And there was mm. this guy; he was always on telly in the 70s uh, and early 80s. He was the guy who did the gyrocopters for James Bond, and he right. would fly around in his gyrocopter. So it became a bit of a thing. Um, I'm not a big Bond fan, so it wasn't that like this wasn't a Golden Eye style fantasy fulfillment. This was just hmm. gyrocopters are cool. I like the fact that you can see the character. Yeah, yeah, I, I do wish you could see more of the character because like when you land, they kind of do a little fist pump or yeah, yeah. a shaking of the head, and you just think, oh no, I'd like to see it from a different angle. Yeah, to there's see. no camera options here. We should say which mm. uh, which mm. I suppose is something they could have. It's 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 a strange camera option, right? The C buttons they literally pan the camera left and right and up and down, and you can oh, kind yeah, of yeah, no, you're quite right, yeah, yeah, because you so, need to use it for the photography, right? And um, yes, but it's not like it's not what the C buttons were in my head useful. Like you compare it to Mario sixty four, right? And you've got like just this what feels like pure freedom on in on a controller, yeah. and then here it's it more feels... like a flight sim camera. Well, yeah, yeah no, that's right. And I'd even forgotten they were there. That's yeah, yeah. Just goes to show. Um, so yeah, you so you missed the plane. You you would have. Oh. 
mm. you would have yeah. wanted the plane. Yeah, mm. but then playing it today, like in 2019, like the gyrocopters, it's just like a plane. Like it, it doesn't really make a lot of difference, and it makes more sense for a gyrocopter to be firing missiles than like a. It's biplane, more maneuverable right? in small spaces, is the thing. Wow, you say that, but that that gyrocopter trying to turn that round in small spaces, <laughs> like it, it's like the longest turn ever. If you miss if you miss the um the targets or the balloons that you're firing at, you have to go round again. God, did it feel like it was taking forever to get around? But even though you could control the speed and you know the all the bits and bobs that you need to turn a gyrocopter around, mm. it's like here we go again, just turn it around, and then it's just like the constant propeller drone in with the the semi you know deserty strike music in the background. It was just a bit like God. Like, so you if, don't need to put the landing gear up or down with the with the with the gyrocopter as well, which is mm. also a thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, I suppose in 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 essence, there you've I, I'm sure we talked about this on the on the Super Nintendo Pilot we show. In essence, this is where, for some people, I think the game can be frustrating or even boring because until you really learn the sequence of hoops or rings or bubbles mm-hmm. or, or whatever you need to pop, you will fail badly a lot of times. Uh, whether it's your execution that's poor or you just don't, there's a, you know, wind plays a huge factor and yeah. altitude and, and obstacles. It is very possible in your early attempts at some of the tougher missions on with with some of the um with some of the different craft uh, to end up wildly off course to a point that there's no point in even continuing mm. so it's like a deliberate crash and then carry on and i know this is what my friend jim went through to get his i think perfect uh perfect save file but in a way that's the game isn't it actually yeah, exactly. and, the, and the and the difficulty curve works its way up i think quite beautifully through the events uh, across the board so that by the time you're being asked to land on tiny platforms in a massive crosswind with a rocket pad, you've got mm. this super fine, you know, you should have this super fine control over the over the rocket belt or whatever. Yeah, I had that realisation today pretty much when I was playing one of the trickier hang glider levels and I was like, like oh, I've got to start again. And yeah, I thought to myself, a lot of that. But if I'm playing like a niche kind of genre as amateur flight simulation, then like there's got to be a level of, like the game's not that long, right? So no. replaying a level for me didn't become an issue as i initially thought it would be because no it's such a niche genre of game they're like replaying it's fine because they don't make a pilot wings every five months you know what i mean certainly don't no (laughs) they've made three in uh, 30 something years yeah so so, so to replay it was like it become more of a pleasurable thing because you're like well i've got more pilot wings to play now yeah. Like to, to play pilot wings and just completely just tickle the boxes off willy-nilly like oh, yeah yeah done 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 no you're here for a challenge and absolutely sure the game isn't as challenging as the snes one and you know there's a lot of concessions there it still mm. does throw up a decent challenge at you sometimes and like the rocket belt through the caves right is a like it's a brilliant piece of design to like you suddenly just poking into this little cave system yeah. and all of a sudden it, uh, it expands and goes down real deep and Oh, it, so it, cool. it completely blows your expectations on how big that island actually is mm. but then like you bump on a wall and it's like two, two points detected and you're like I deducted sorry and you're like oh, okay well I've, that's killed that run yeah, yeah. <laughs> but you know sometimes you can get through these runs and go right I've got, I've nailed it on the first one that's banked you know that's West weakest link stuff I banked that right next one I won't be as good because it's something trickier like I don't know hooning a ball into a goal or something and it, it, you know yeah so I forgot what I was talking about to be honest but like just the, the way the whole thing is, like, in terms of replayability, yeah. like I say, like, it's not a problem for me. And maybe it would have been 10 years ago because I was trying to, like, tick it off to get to the next thing. But my attitude of it today was pretty much how it was back in the day. And, like, 
I haven't got infinite games to play, or in this case I have, but, you know, they don't make infinite pilot wings anymore, so why don't I just enjoy my time with this yeah. one while it's around? And there is a there is an end point, because once you've done 100 out of 100 on everything, there is nowhere else to go, right? Mm -hmm. There's no kind of score-based challenge or time-based challenge, which is kind of unfortunate, I think, uh, in some ways. Maybe that's something that would be in a uh, in a modern incarnation, some way of kind of extending the fun yeah uh, multiplayer and things like that as well of course uh but as i say the actual the, that very simple straightforward challenge it reminds me of that thing we talked about and i know has resonated with some of our listeners as well which is the uh the 90s thing of having a race game with a very limited number of tracks mm. so like having one two or three circuits mm. meant that they they were designed to within an inch of their lives so like virtual racing's recently come out on the switch amazing version by m2 and there's three tracks in that but mm. they they they're just they seem to me like they've all had so much time poured into them and in this it's a bit like that like every mm. mission is like it feels like it's been played and played and played and played and tested and tested until it's absolutely like it's tough but it's you know be it certainly beyond the first couple of tiers of difficulty but it's 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 doable uh, and tantalizingly so mm -hmm. and yeah you've got that thing like as you say you might have gone round and you've gone through every single hoop including all the bonus hoops and you've done it quickly so you know you're on for your time and accuracy scores but then you've got a horrible crosswind coming across the landing and you know that you've got to land right in the middle of the runway keep it straight and not hit it too hard mm. and it can all go wrong so that adds a lot of uh, adds a lot of tension Mm. hang gliding uh, as you say another one where when when it's going well it's just beautiful and satisfying <laughs> and when it's going wrong it's incredibly frustrating very much like a uh, monkey target <laughs> that yeah, sort of uh, drifting away from the uh from the um you know what darren the uh, the, the thermals as uh, as we call them <laughs> or the stacks of steam stacks and of uh you just you just know you're not going to make the next one or whatever and you just hear the the alarm kicking up and uh yeah you have to be a bit sort of fatalistic about it It really is like an alarm clock as well it's got that high pitch beep beep beep, beep and it does remind me of like you know late 90s wake up alarm <laughs> clocks yeah it's strange but yeah the hang glider for me like i say the analog stick where the intention is for more control right with me it's just like i said earlier like it's more room for failure because it's just mm. like oh man i can never stick i can never get the landing sorted it was just like I did it once today, actually, where it was a nice 45 degree in, just like, oh, feet down now, and he just ran along the floor. And it's like, oh, okay, oh, cool, yeah, we made it. So satisfying. But, but... but more often than not, it was just like, yeah, just yeah. kind of just dropping down and like sometimes you'd crash and sometimes you wouldn't. I just couldn't really get a hold of what was going on. I couldn't understand the science behind it. you know. And I kind Well, of... again, I wonder if this comes back to what we were saying about the SNES version, which is there's a real lack of visual information. So obviously here you've got more, you've got more kind of particles in the air, if it's snowing or whatever, you've mm. got more detail on the ground, you've got actual, it's not just flat, so you've got actual you <clears> know, surfaces. Um, but I still think there's a kind of maybe a bit of a lack of it, it's quite hard to tell how fast you're going when you're very close up to a very large smeary mm. texture and that kind of thing. <laughs> so I think there's there's an element of that. Again, maybe, you know, if, if they did a, they just did a modern, a, like a full-blown <laughs> remaster. But I'm wondering, we keep saying, oh yeah, Nintendo keeps repping Pilot Wings on the SNES in its games. There's no representation for Pilot Wings 64 and they've never re-released it on Virtual Console. Maybe they just don't like it. Maybe yeah. it's nothing to do with the science or the tech or paradigm. It's just they actually, for whatever reason, they're like, well, we didn't really make this one. So yeah. somebody internally has said, I mean, 
I say that though, Shigeru Miyamoto has come out and actually said he doesn't like Zelda 2, but they keep re-releasing that over and over <laughs> and over again. So would it stop them? I mean, for me, this like if they do do an N64 Mini, which doesn't seem to be happening, but you never know. This would should be front and center as like one of the absolute like locked in titles that comes pre-installed with your mm. with your N64 Mini. But I'm kind of concerned that they wouldn't even do that now because they give it so little love. Yeah, it's a strange one, and it, it kind of feels like some other Nintendo franchises are going the same way. Like F Zero seems to be just kind of I left know. by the wayside. Like at this point, I'd take a GX port. <laughs> do you know what I mean? Because oh, it's yeah. just like. GX oh, HD, please, yeah. Oh, GX is so good. And yeah, like, we, we have been, I say we, because I'm one of represent Nintendo fanboys around the world. Like, mm. we have been, like, we have been crying out for a new Pilot Wings, right? And then the, the 3DS one comes out, and you're like, not, not this one. Because <laughs> there is a lot of love for the N64 game and, and the SNES game. But yeah, the N64 game just seems like, um, yeah, it seems like it's been abandoned, right? So Rocket Belt is... Surely, in both games, the discipline where you have the most direct control over mm. over your character, mm. like it's not like the hang glider where you can suddenly find yourself without the ability to actually kind of get back in the sky or the gyrocopter where you can be going so fast that you just slam into a hill. Rocket belt, you can always recover, you can always use. You've got two, uh, you've got two powers of of jet, and you've got full analog control over the whole mm -hmm. uh, the tilting of the jet and. This like this is the one to me where it always feels like you can you can ace it if you're on your A game. Yeah, this is for me like yeah, this is like my favorite I think. Like cuz you do have just like pure control. It's the it's the Z button to deadpan the rocket as well to of completely course, yeah. Right. Like that for me is crucial compared to the SNES game in which I was I was only ever using the A button to get the blue jets out. The 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 bronzish looking one I can never really work out in this version, the 64 version. All three, you know, thing abilities of the jet, uh, rocket belt were, were being used like if i wanted to go fast and if i wanted to go at a different angle this is where the analog stick really helped me out actually because you could actually point your rocket in in the direction you really wanted to go and it was just yeah very freeing it's very um like if in a in a ideal world i would rather have had birdman's relaxation mode with the rocket belt for pure oh, exploration yeah. like infinite me, fuel or oh hang on you can refuel can't you there's, yeah. there's one of the easter eggs you <laughs> can right. go and um rocket next to a petrol station yeah in, in any of the vehicles like the gyro or the rocket if you land next to the petrol stations in the little <gasps> states level you can um Amazing. You can refill up yeah and there's warps as well right you can warp between two yeah two or three yeah there's like little easter eggs and that's what makes this game so special is just little things like that that you just you probably found by accident, and but you felt like you were yeah you were a genius because of it. Yeah, I'd never thought of having free roam in. Well, I probably did back in the day. Free roam with the other things, just like mm, let me yeah. let me. I mean, you kind of could anyway because you could just abandon the mission. It won't dump you out, will it? No, you, not at all. Uh, yeah, you could. Yeah. That's kind of part of the point of like I saw yeah. a video today, like rocket belt secrets, and they they just you know just jazzed around with a rocket belt and found an N sixty four decal and a star behind the building. So you could yeah. do it, but I just. <laughs> Just the chill vibe of Birdman's yeah. thing, but with yeah. the rocket belt would have right. been ideal, right? Yeah, yeah. And you've just brought back a memory that I, I wanted to share. Talking about taping things on VHS, I had uh, I had my N64 quite often hooked up to a video recorder, partly because I was doing the, uh, I was attempting to do the Mario Circuit N64 magazine challenge. I did manage one, uh, as I mentioned on the Mario Kart 64 podcast, I did manage 
at least one game where I I did the the full shortcut three times in a row, but mm. I still I still wasn't nearly fast enough to uh, to challenge. I was still like, oh, I love that twelve seconds outside or something <laughs> overall, but still I did that. But I also uh, we also hooked it up for some pilot wing stuff. I can't remember exactly what we were why we were doing it, but maybe it was because uh, we did some barnstorming. So, you know, the old barnstorming thing of flying a, a biplane through a barn. Uh, okay. you, you see it in old films and stuff mm-hmm. and they come out and there's all hay and chickens everywhere. <laughs> uh, and I and it was a, there's there's an old Atari VCS game based on on this old stunt thing. I'm sure many people died in the in the real uh, the real thing. But uh, you'll see old footage of planes going into barns and their wings flying off and so on. But we were doing this with the gyrocopter, but there's no uh, the only entrance is a little window. And uh, you had to go up a ramp to get through this window. So I had this videotape of uh, of us repeatedly attempting to get through this barn by going up a ramp through the little window and out the other side. And we managed to do it once. And we just watched the tape over and over again. And every time he went through the window and came out the other side, we'd go, yay! <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So yeah, the make, things you do, eh? Making our own fun. It That's it. Yeah, good. a lot of the um the environments in Pilot and Sixty Four they have that same. Oh, I don't know what it is about early three D games, but I really just want to see what's going on around the corners, and it's that's why the boundary yeah. break guy is so good on YouTube, right? Yes. Because he he kind of just has he, he done this? I don't think he's done Pilot Wings, but like just his general thing is just like poking around corners that you shouldn't be looking around, yeah, yeah. just to see. Because as a tester, that really appeals to me. Like what's going on behind there? Mm. Yeah, but for Pilot Wings Sixty Four playing it today. I really wanted to see what was going on in all the buildings and stuff. Some of them you can rocket belt into. Yeah. Yeah. Like if, if there's like um, an emulation or like a mod of a ROM, you know, like a ROM hack or something where you mm. could just rocket belt around this, these, these four islands, I would definitely do it because there's just something like, so the early 3D games that they were obviously designed just like, like they said in the description, like it was like, you know, really tough to do. They they just barely scraped in for launch. So there's going to be like a bunch of stuff that we shouldn't be looking at. And so I just want to know what's going on behind most of these corners of these games and see what they've left behind in terms of data. I, I, don't, I don't know why. I'm not, I don't know what I'm going to get out of it. But it's just that kind of... Well, like, uh, Boundary Break uh, yeah. by She Says. I know he's known as. I don't know what his, uh, his real name is. No, but I don't know. yeah, he's had a lot of success with that, I think. So yeah there's, there's, um, uh, people are curious and he's found some really uh, funny interesting stuff so quite a lot of very mundane uninteresting stuff as well but uh, also also some real gems of uh curios and i like the things where he sort of um he'll go close up on a far away model of a character so it, like princess peach will be reduced to a super low poly model when mm-hmm. mario's further away and then he'll zoom up to that model and it will be the most hideous thing uh yeah so check that out boundary break on youtube Human Cannonball is an odd one for me because it's it's actually really a puzzle game, isn't it? Because every yeah, level is, has yeah. a solution. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so we, we just used to write down the answers. Because <laughs> <in> the <laughs> I was playing it today, right? And it's like, well, 14 degrees at full power. It's like golf, you know, like the, the golf games. So totally. Yeah. yeah so you, you hit it at a certain power and a certain angle and therefore you've got the answer. And uh, mm. yeah, I, I'm not too sure how much like... I, I like this mode as a novel thing, you know, a very N64 thing to do to um, blast yourself out of a cannon. You know, Mario 64 did it. And it was funny. It was definitely yeah, funny. You know, there's, there's a comical nature to it, but ultimately, you know, and, and CFUs, I did it in that quite a few times as well. Like, there's, there's still fun to be <laughs> had in blasting yourself out of cannons, but in this, it was just a bit like, 
it feels a bit too scientific you know there's not mm. enough skill or more i guess it's, it's, it's i've had no skill or pure skill but for me it felt like judgment uh, ju- yeah just, the magazines uh, all printed the the settings basically so that you could pretty much recreate them i think there was some variance just a tiny bit of variance and of course that there was no actual you couldn't set the power bar exactly necessarily as at a particular point you had to still kind of time it didn't mm, you so yeah it wasn't just a case of set these three coordinates and then press fire and you will win there was a little bit more to it than that but it did come down to that kind of thing uh but yes endless fun firing mario into his own not mario firing one of the characters into mario's face on mount rushmore and creating wario and you could change it back again i believe as well mm, yeah, sounds all right. yeah uh but yes uh entertaining uh one of those games that's entertaining to fail at uh, it reminds me, or I was, I should say, I was latterly reminded of it. There was that PSN game that was all based around firing people. Yeah, pain. Pain, that's the one. Thank yeah, you. and also Commander Video launched himself into many targets at the end of um, of the levels of Runner 2 and 3. Ah. Yeah, if you did the, if you did it pretty well, yeah, you could hoon yourself out of a cannon into a target and uh, his little bum hang out, uh, was hanging out the other side. Yeah, it's very comical, yeah. Cannonballs and char- game characters are... Well, not cannonballs, cannons, and the, the characters that go in them. Yeah, there's yes. a lot of fun to be had. Yes. Guybrush Threepwood famously as well. Mm. So launched himself out of a cannon. Uh, which brings us to the, I think it was the final bonus thing you unlocked, was it? Jumble Hoppers? Kind of weird, Jumble Hoppers. I, I enjoyed it more for the music than the gameplay because... So <laughs> how, do, how would we describe Jumble Hoppers? You played it more recently. Give it a go. <laughs> so Jumble Hoppers remind me of those... Um, like early 2000s TV talent shows where people come out on these giant springy kind of shoe stilt things. They'll be really tall and really fast and just leg it around at about what seems like 50 miles an hour. It was just like, there just doesn't seem to be any rhyme nor reason. So yeah, jumble hoppers. It's like if you were like, a, I don't know, like a frog on, yeah, yeah, on acid it. or something. It's just so bonkers. Like I can't understand what is going on. And my patience today was so thin with it. I was just like, I can't begin to think out what is going on. So you hold the button to jump, right? And then it kind yeah. of pings you off at a funny angle, depending yeah. on how hard and how... Oh. But you've got to try to judge where you're going to land. And if you land in lots of things, that's game over. Uh, yeah. It, it, I did enjoy it. And I still remember the feeling of springing frog-like across the landscape. But I also remember it being somewhat frustrating yeah, compared to the other events. In like unlike human cannibal like this feels completely random to me and i'm sure there's a there's a there's a you know a thing behind it to actually understand the rules but i was just pressing it thinking i've just come back like i've just bounced like say 100 meters forwards and now i've bounced back 100 meters like there doesn't yeah. seem to be like and you can see why it's a side mission right because if this was like front and center of the main campaign you'd be like god is this what the game is but you can see why they've kind of put it to one side it's good that it's there and it, it offers a bit of variety because the thing of the 3ds game is that i don't think it offers enough craziness mm. like that so i appreciate that it's there i just have to be in a real specific mood to just to be you know cheesed around with so to speak so yeah interesting different just 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 don't expect to like <laughs> fly through it and go oh yeah i know what i'm doing it was just one yeah. of those ones where you're like i oh, sure i don't know like, it's like there's it's like, the music anyway at least <laughs> yeah it's like yeah it's like someone straps um a strap trampolines to your feet and you just oh. haven't got a clue how to to use them yeah annoying mm. <laughs> yeah uh two other aspects of the gameplay i wanted to mention that come up uh i think 
so yeah i mean one thing we didn't talk about the gyrocopter obviously you do end up with the uh with the helicopter being able to shoot in the first game the gyrocopter has a lot of missions that are based around firing rockets which i found very satisfying uh firing them off from long range and hmm. and popping targets and things like that uh, but one of the things that you do is, uh, I suppose this is the closest the game comes to a kind of emergency rescue situation that the game throws at you in uh, in the first game, is you're occasionally tackle, uh, tasked with tackling the rampaging robot monstrosity that is known <laughs> as Mechahawk. This is a large... Uh, it's like a it's it's a big robot it's a big robot uh he's sort of wearing black boots but he's otherwise metallic he's got the face of a muppet and he stomps about the place and sometimes he goes swimming and he throws rocks at you and when you hit him he goes oh we're in different various um pitches as well oh. so sometimes like, oh. it's like what <laughs> what is going on is again it's another it's so example weird. of the game's <laughs> just aesthetic and vibe just completely going at a right at a right angle like never has the game before this thrown you know a strange enemy character creature. Yeah. Yeah, yeah yeah and, and it's like it's chromatic or it wants to be chromatic like Mar metal mario right but it's completely <laughs> fails and i was playing the last mission today and i was like oh, okay it, it's literally called mecha hawk again and it's like okay five missiles at him and he's swimming in the sea yeah <laughs> like it's a bit fuzzy and a bit hazy almost going, like, ah! Is it, have they got a swimming animation for him? Because yeah. I thought he'd just be walking through the water because he's that big. But no, yeah. he's just there, just casually just backstroking, <laughs> like probably forward, you know, front stroke and crawling. Yeah. Like they animated him swimming in the sea. And it's just, again, like just <laughs> proper made me laugh. And uh, yeah, it's such... Uh, I like, love Mechahawk. I think he's the, the cult classic Nintendo character. That, 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 is he? Did he ever turn up in a Smash game or anything, Mechahawk? Mm. Surely. No, he revisited the uh, the resort game. Yes, okay. Yeah, so he looks but a he's... bit better there. But he looks like Rob 64's like rejected cousin. You know, Aww. it's just like yeah. It's I, just, I feel it... sorry for Mechahawk. Oh, I do not because he's just such an awkward character to fight. Like you'll shoot him once and he'll go running behind you, and then you got to turn the gyrocopter around, which takes seemingly forever. Oh my god! I've just realised. Mecha Hawk. He's Mecha yeah. Hawk. Yeah, 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 yeah. He's based on Hawk, right? Oh my god, I <laughs> but... never realised that before. <laughs> That's because it looks nothing like him, but <laughs> he hasn't like, got a moustache. Yeah, like it, it looks nothing like Hawk, but they've called him Mecha Hawk. So in the back of your head, you're like, well, it's got to be like Hawk, surely. Yeah, he's sort of same shape, isn't he? Yeah, the same. <laughs> it's only taken me a... <laughs> twenty-two years. I didn't want to come out of it and say it because I was just like, yeah, it's just Hawk, but Mecha. Like, why don't they do Mecha all the characters, right? Because then it would have a bit, yeah. bit more sense. But it's just, it's just a strange so weird. thing to do. But again, it's making us laugh. It's making Quite us... entertaining, though, wasn't it? Yeah, Actually exactly. trying to oh, take him out. Yeah, like the swimming animation really just took it out of me. I was just like, I can't believe they've done this. He's just there literally just swimming away, throwing ice boulders at me or whatever. Oh, if only Ryan was still at Nintendo, Mecha Hawk Amiibo. <laughs> Make us a Mecha Hawk. Oh, yeah, that'd be good. That'd be good. Uh, yeah, yeah, interesting. Yeah, I, I kind of wish Mecha Hawk looked nicer because I, you know, as Mario sixty four has demonstrated, yeah, yeah. it can yeah. do nice, nicer visuals. And I, I, I think Metal Mario is still a beautiful thing to observe. Oh yeah, and it would have been nice pools to pools of liquid. Yes. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, it would have been nice to cross contaminate or cross pollinate those yeah. um those texts. But I guess with I wonder the, why that didn't happen. Yeah, with the giant scale of those worlds, maybe where they were pushing their their mm. luck anyway. So. Mm. adding that kind of yeah he just looks he looks like he's kind of uh bits of 
crappy old steel kind of bolted together, doesn't he? It's just a yeah. kind of grey mess, basically. You'd half expect like Paradigm to have that as their like, look what we've made, and you're like, yeah. oh god, um, yeah, look what we've made. <laughs> and it's just like, get... oh no, he's got high heel boots on there. Anyway. <laughs> Uh, photography is another aspect. So photography modes are all the rage these days. Obviously, it's a slightly different thing where you get to actually uh, take the kind of break the camera off the game and change the, all the settings and do all kind of fancy photography style stuff. This game is a gameplay element. And I thought this was so cool and clever at the time. And I still mm. kind of do. So on some missions, you get uh, I think it's six shots. Do you get? Uh, yeah, that's right. And six. you're tasked with taking a photo there's even a sort of environmental message in some of it isn't there it's like take a picture of the pollution being belched oh, out yeah. by these chimneys and, and stuff right. like that take a picture of a whale take a picture so it gives you a sample picture uh, and you get kind of six attempts to replicate and then it scores your picture on some algorithm which probably mm -hmm. wasn't that easy to do i wouldn't have thought uh but i loved this i thought this was great and you could also save a few mm. extra photos to a snapbook on your cartridge that's right yeah. to uh to keep some memories of your time so kind of ahead of its time in some ways I'm, I, yeah. I know it wasn't the first but it was uh it integrated it in such a cool way and again i stress because this game looked spectacular in 1996-7 it was something that you wanted to do yeah you know photo modes in games now are pretty much you know especially sony side they are kind of part and parcel of games now and it's brilliant that you can take some time out to take pictures of your game and share yeah. it online blah, 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 blah. Mm. but like this and Pokemon Snap and yes. maybe something else on the N64 that I can't quite remember, but like just taking pictures of the environment and having it as a as like a, a judgmental thing, piece of gameplay. I just find it really satisfying, and I don't really know who else has done it because <laughs> I've never, you know, it's one of those things like you don't know how much you like it, or I don't know how much I well, like. Zelda it. did it later, didn't? Well, they, of course, the, yeah, yeah. With the picture box and all that. Mm. Yeah, again, good, good, uh, good call. Cool. But yeah, you never realise how much you like doing it until it's actually put in upon you as a task. You like, mm. I wasn't. I'm, I'm never really like. I'm not going to go out and buy Fatal Frame, for example, because I don't really. But then I imagine if I did and played it, I'd be like, I really like taking the pictures of the scary ghost people, right? And yeah, so I, I kind of wish there was more photography. Of in Metal games. Gear. I'm sorry, examples yeah. keep coming to me. Metal no, Gear right, came yeah. uh, the following year with, and uh, you could take secret photographs of the developer ghosts and all that kind of. Yeah, thing. exactly. Yeah, like just yeah. stuff like that, like. It's kind of it's, it's gameplay that's rewarding, but you'd I'd never really think of it as a as a thing to go out and buy. I'm going to go and buy a camera game, but like every yeah. time I do it, I think God, no, this is like I can see why people get into photography based on Pilot Wing sixty four because there's a challenge to making the the picture look you know visually pleasing, and especially when you're kind of hang gliding over the ocean and you know you've got a landing target right in front of you, but also you've got to take a picture of this fountain. Like balancing those two gameplays, it's just, it's really like mm. it's, oh, it's 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 almost unique to the Pilot Wing sixty four, right? There's no other game that to, that I can remember that uh, offers that experience. Yeah, yeah. Normally, if you if you've got cameras in games now as part of gameplay, whether it's GTA or whatever, you've got it on a phone, like a, yeah. you know, a modern modern smartphone or whatever. Um, so yeah, this was a. I suppose the only doubts I had around it were not. You couldn't see the photos as you took them and you were never you could yeah. never be 100 percent confident in the algorithm and being as mm -hmm. certain of your f photographic excellence as you were. But the trick was to kind of look at the sample photo and then take a sequence of photos yeah. that would you would hope closely replicate. And I'm sure I managed to get maximum scoring photos for all the for all the photo missions mm -hmm. without too much difficulty. But that may be my memory failing me. 
but yeah i just thought it was such a nice touch and to have on that limited space cartridge just to give you those extra slots yeah, to save nice. a few photos as well i'm but, sure my cartridge is still out there somewhere maybe yeah. someone's deleted it but maybe those <laughs> photos are still there <laughs> this is where the um the limited camera control actually works for like a gameplay point of view because i found like if you were hang gliding over the sea with a camera in your hand mm. like you wouldn't be able to turn your head left and right you know that to that extreme anyway so yeah. like it actually yeah. kind of worked for a photography point of view there's like there's a skill you know based gameplay in maneuvering your you know your vehicle at the time uh, the hang glider taking a picture and also using the camera but the c buttons to to um you know to facilitate that it, it works quite well and like the restrictions here with the c buttons don't feel like restrictions really they just feel like like realistic problems to be solving in the air it's like mm. i can't turn right to get a picture of a whale and uh, yeah but yeah i mean yeah uh, yeah i really like the photography in this game and i do wish there was probably like a whole section of you know pilot wings class like oh you know rocket belt hang gliding photography on a mm. i don't know on a parachute or something because uh yeah I, yeah i thought it was such a nice touch to have lovely yeah. Hmm. Simon Sloth says, my two main criticisms are the lack of multiplayer and the fact that the best mode, in Simon's opinion, from the original was stripped. I assume Simon is referring to the plane, but I don't know. <laughs> uh, skydiving, possibly. Has this got skydiving? No, it hasn't. It has got skydiving, yeah. It has got skydiving. Yeah. And I was wondering when it's going to crop up because it's my favourite of the, uh, the star missions. Ah. What the Brilliant. Other, have I missed anything else out? No, um, no, no. So yeah, I do have vague recollection. Oh, Scott, is this the one where you have to kind of um, get yeah, yourself for, into the shapes formations? Yeah. Yes. Right. 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 Brilliant. Yes. It's really, really good. It should have been part of the main um, experience, I think. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah, I remember it being quite challenging. Skydiving is always difficult in real life. I mean, in games. So, like the, the N sixty four cartridge for the power version right is goose skydiving and so you, you you put it into your console and you're like oh yeah well, where's where's the skydiving guys and you're just like mm, okay well it's got to be in there somewhere because it's obviously been advertised as a um as a feature so right. yeah to put it uh, put it alongside the calamity that is human cannonball and jumble hop it seems a bit, <laughs> a bit of an insult to the uh yeah. the skydiving fraternity i guess um but okay. I've, I think it's brilliant like you've got to do all the um the formations of hooking up with the other people and just ha holding it and you can use your um the tilt of the analog stick to speed up and slow down, and also the A button to kind of pace yourself with um, yeah 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 like flare to yeah flare that's the word, and then once you hit a certain <laughs> altitude, it then goes to like Super Nintendo kind of um parachuting onto the land. It's yes. like it's a proper callback to the SNES game, and I was like, this this is this is the best one of the mini of the the side missions, and again it should mm. have been front and right. center of um the main game. Yeah, but yeah. a bit of a bit of a strange decision, but I'm glad they put it in there at all because. I loved it. Yeah. But although you can complete the whole game as such and get a credits roll in like an hour or two, you yeah. are, firstly, you're unlikely to do that without a lot of practice. And secondly, to actually to get even to get gold on everything uh, would take a lot of practice for most people, I would mm. suggest. So I certainly know. I mean, I've never felt anywhere anything like kind of short change for my 50 quid for this cartridge. Like It was part of my n64 collection from day one to whenever it was that i sold my n64 hmm. and uh yeah as i say if i ever get another n64 a it will be an ntsc one and b it will also be
be day one with uh, probably with an American copy of Pilot Wing. Mm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, you don't have a mind. Get off. <laughs> I, love, I love my N64s. Like, I just having them downstairs in the basement is like a yeah. It's just nice to just throw back to a console that isn't connected online. You know, the new consoles are great, and I love you know all the consoles out there at the moment. But it's just something nice about just flicking on an N64, PS1, or you know, Saturn or something, and just going. It's just me in the box. Mm-hmm. It's just so. Yeah, yeah, it's just so refreshing, which sounds really weird because, like, no, we, we, I, know, I know that feeling. But, but, but when you had an N64, you yearned for it to go online, right? Oh, what if we could play Golden Eye online? Yeah. And now it's like, actually, I don't really want to see anyone at the I moment. Speak to anyone. Yeah. <laughs> Strange. Uh, continues Simon Sloth. There were, in fact, fewer wings on this game than not the 64 I was promised. It's still a light hearted, lovable game, which nowadays would be lost on an online store somewhere rather than given the limelight as a physical hardware exclusive. I'm glad I played it, and if it had a competitive mode, I would be going back again. Hmm. Yeah. Uh, and Ian, Ian, Ianson, <laughs> Jan Janssen from the forum says, Pilot Wing 64 is a fine game that still holds up, in Ian's opinion. It's incredibly easy to pass and to understand. The difficulty scales really well over its total playtime. You feel like you're really mastering something as each hour pleasantly drifts by Mm. paradigm made another flying game as i said earlier all i remember about this really is the title i remember it existing i'm sure i saw the box i don't see i quite i've got quite into some combat air games over the years but i i guess just i don't remember being excited for this even if i knew paradigm were doing it i guess i just i knew it wasn't nintendo making it Mm -hmm. with them and the reviews were tepid at best. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I just gave it a wide berth. But I imagine at least on a technical level, it must have impressed in some way. Mm. Uh, <laughs> it, it fell in the same bracket as like aero gauge, you know, right. that kind of. Yep, oh. yeah. And especially when you had air combat on PS1 as well, you know, it was, or ace combat, depending on region. Where you were. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah, it, it, it was just, it was just limp. It had no... It had yeah. nothing going for it, you know, and it's a shame, really, because a flight, a, a flight sim, like, like with like dogfighting and that, you know, yeah. it, it was good, good fun, you know, and like, but then this one just wasn't, this one just wasn't based on my shop experience, you know, of yeah, and how quickly they put it together because it came out in ninety seven, ninety eight, so it was like a year after or a year and a bit after they finished Pilot Wings, mm. uh, so maybe it was, maybe it was a rush job. Uh, it did have a deathmatch, um, but in my experience, dogfighting, jet fighter deathmatches can be rather soul-destroying affairs where you only see each other, either you only see each yeah. other once in a blue moon and then you're just tracing a dot on a landscape <laughs> yeah. or one of you just shoots the other one down with lock on and that's it. So yeah. they always sound so good in theory and, you know, you watch Top Gun and you think, oh my God, this would be such a thrill. But yeah, the reality is, or the, the video game reality tends to be less exciting. Yeah, I think that's the same for a lot of just one-on-one, like, split-screen multiplayer games, that you could just either see where anyone is at any one point. Like, yeah. I never found GoldenEye as a as a one-on-one uh, multiplayer experience that thrilling, because you could just, oh, there you are. You need yeah. at least three. Uh, and, yeah, yeah. You, yeah, you need a, few, a bit of variety. But even then, like, if I was to play um, a dogfighting multiplayer game, it would have been Lilac Wars at the time, right? Cause, oh, yeah. yeah. Know, that, that had a bit more, well, character to it and a bit more... Oomph. Yeah, we sunk a few hours into that. Hmm. Uh, 
Although a sequel to Pilot Wing 64 was mooted also in 1997 with Paradigm handling development duties, it never materialised. In fact, following an exodus of staff, Atari, who had bought Paradigm, offloaded the struggling studio in 2006 to THQ. But then sadly, two years later in 2008, Paradigm closed, according to Retro Gamer magazine. Hmm. Three years after that, however, Nintendo did see fit to bring out a new Pilot Wings game. <laughs> so this was a launch title for 3DS, I think, was it? Yes, it Pretty was. Sure definitely. It was. Yep. Uh, it was. Kind I was in the of, advert. I don't was, know if you remember, I was in an advert. Oh, yeah. Like, what did you yeah. say in that advert? Four. <laughs> and that's because the, the Pro Evolution Soccer 3D actually hurt mm. my eyes and it made me go, oh. <laughs> and then that, that is literally. There was a whole bit about. So, like, yeah, okay. So, when I went to this um, event, they yeah. were like, Do you want to go through this door or this door? Basically, that's what it was. I said, I'll go yeah. through that door because it looks better. And they're like, Well, behind there, we were filming. And I spoke about Pilot Wings quite a lot. I was like, Oh, I really like Pilot Wings, Nintendo, this and that, and this and that. I spoke about a lot of, like, when you're trying to show off about Nintendo knowledge, you go for the deep cuts, right? And that's what I was doing in front of this camera. They right. never used any of that. Uh. What, what they did was they used me going, because the, the, Pez, <laughs> the, Pez, the, the Pez visuals in 3D <laughs> literally hurt my eyes so I turned it up all the way up that's like misusing one of those quotes it's where you said uh, you know the, this game this game has nearly all the features of the arcade game put that on the box but none of them are particularly well executed <laughs> it's like you've gone <laughs> they've gone yeah. uh, right but yeah it, it was definitely a 3DS launch title um, I remember seeing it Alongside games like Kid Icarus and you know the launch titles of the 3DS, basically, Mario and Land. thinking, thinking, yeah, 3D yeah, think, well, thinking, oh god, this is amazing! Like they're actually doing a new Pilot Wings, and seeing the rocket belt in 3D was kind of impressive at okay. the launch event. Like it was, it was, it was novel. You know, it was like oh, I could see why they're putting this in 3D. I was at this point, I was a bit kind of, I don't know if the word bitter or tired. But like the Wii Sport aesthetic had kind of worn off for me at this point, mm-hmm. and that they were using Woohoo Island as a yeah. place to be, and I'm like, no, no, I don't want to go back there because I've literally thrown a dog a frisbee for you know tens of hours in Woohoo Island, and I I'm saw just, this, I'm, yeah, I saw I'm this game really it. cheap recently, mm. and I did think about picking it up, but there's something about it; it just always felt like a bit anodyne and just kind of. I I played it. I played it. I borrowed. Uh, Ben Ford's a listener of this show sometimes, mm. uh, mm-hmm. 3DS, when he got his quite early, earlier than I got mine, mm. and he lent me the game with it. And I played it a bit, and I thought it was it was pleasant enough, but it, I, you know, I'd been really looking mm. forward to it as a big fan of Pilot Wing 64. Mm. And it just felt kind of very basic and flimsy. And yeah. it, I don't really, I, I couldn't quite put my finger on what was missing, but it just didn't seem to have the same challenge, challenge atmosphere. Mm. And the 3D did nothing for me on the original 3DS, so there was no, I didn't even have that kind of element to it. Um, maybe I should pick up a super cheap copy and try it again. Well, it's, if I was going to do that, I should have done it before this recording. But it's it's really, it's not great. I would say it's even average at best. It really picks up at the end when you get the squirrel suit, and I think that it was it was, it was actually good fun at that point. Right. But that was the last thing you did in the game. I think mm. it was like. Well done for doing all the kind of the bland, non-challenging bits. Have a really hard squirrel suit level, and you're like, God, this the game's finally kicking off, and it was it was good. And then it was like the end, and you're like, uh, oh, okay, well, how about we with the with resort two? If you're going to do a second one, how about you start with the squirrel suit and go from there? Um, so, you know, it was the, so the game was borrowing a lot from Wii Sports because that was super popular, but mm. it was just it's even called Pilot Wings Resort, and it was just 
there's not enough of its well it wasn't enough of pilot wings you know it was kind right. of just cribbing from too many other things and it just happens to have a rocket belt and sometimes this and that and this and that right it, it just felt like it was trying to be a technical showcase for 3d which you know mm. it was interesting uh it was co-developed with monster games this time uh who are the team behind excite truck for the wii and excite bots oh they're good games yeah uh yeah. also worked on the 3ds port of donkey kong country returns and helped huh. out on tropical freeze with retro studios nice. uh, but also they've more more than anything they've done a load of nascar games um for other systems nascar nascar heat and things like that see so. we're, we're talking about games where like it's really like limited kind of tracks or you know stuff to do and therefore mm. replayability like nascar one for me is just like there, there's got to be something to nascar that's really exciting but for me going around in a giant oval just doesn't do it for me <laughs> like mm. but again it must do something for someone right it must be doing something right because it's massive is yeah. every nascar tracker an oval are they all I, ovals as far as i'm aware oh i thought they i don't know I know Indianapolis is an oval, for instance, yeah. but anyway, apologies yeah, yeah. for our lack of NASCAR <laughs> knowledge, but uh, yeah, Monster Games, anyway. The Baboon Baron said, I never had a 3DS. It's not too late. You can get a lovely 2DS XL deal right now, Baboon Baron, and I thoroughly recommend that machine's back catalogue. Mm. Uh, I never had a 3DS, so I missed out on Resort, though from what I can gather, it wasn't all that. Shame that the IP hasn't continued, as particularly on the Wii U, the dual screen element could have been used so well to make a cockpit-esque mm. environment. Yeah, there's quite a lot of stuff on the Wii U that was conceptualised but never really came yeah. through. Like, mm. I think Giant Robot ended up being a Labo thing, right? And yeah. Some of us bits and bobs finally made its way through. But yeah, I've never, well, apart from what we're about to talk about, there's not really been that much in the way of a, mm. a newish Pilot Wings, right? So yeah, this actually predates Pilot Wings Resort. But Nintendo Life got wind. Somebody uploaded a video uh, in 2017, and it was a game by Factor 5, the now defunct, uh, the developers of, well, going back further, Turrican 2 for the, uh, mm. the Amiga and things like that, but also the Star Wars Rogue games for the N64 and GameCube mm. and other systems. Uh, this was We Fly, W-E, capital F-L-Y, Pilot Wings 3 in inverted commas. Uh, it got quite far in development. Seems like it could have been pretty much every Pilot Wings fan's dream game turned <laughs> into reality. From cockpit view, head tracking, augmented reality to using the Wii's clock and weather channel to change the game in real life. It remains quite clear that the abundance of talent that was available to Factor 5 back in those days. Mm. That was Nintendo Life 2017. So there's a video out there if you want to check it out, listener, if you haven't already. Uh, search for Pilot Wings Lost Open World Reboot uh, on Unseen 64. And yeah, uh, it is one of those sort of slightly achingly poignant videos because you're looking at it and just thinking, why didn't it? Why all that yeah. rubbish they released on the Wii and and this game never, never got finished. It, yeah. I mean, it might have been as bad as that Lair game that Factor 5 did for PS3. Yeah. So, so we don't know, but... Um, yeah, like, there must have been a reason why they never continued with it, right? And maybe calling it We Fly instead of, you know, maybe, yeah. maybe they approached Nintendo, we got a Pilot Wing sequel, and they were like, no, you don't. <laughs> Call it something else. Because yeah. if it was a Nintendo published game called We Fly, it would have been spelt like the Nintendo Wii, right? You because would think, yes. That's how, that's how third-party publishers got around the Wii naming convention. Like, there were other games like Wii Dare or something, so it yes. wasn't like... Well, yeah, that's a different game entirely. Sexy game. <laughs> I don't know why I pulled that one out of my head more than any yeah, other Wii well, game. First thing on your shelf. Yeah. yeah. 
the old Ubisoft spanking simulator. Cheers, guys. Uh, yeah. But yeah, like the, there must have been something everyone. amiss if they called it WE Fly as opposed to mm. WII Fly. You know, like so. Who knows? If Factor Five. They always seem to be like uh, the Silicon Knights ish kind of same story progression going on there. Like they started off really strong, and then all of a sudden they just tailed off into mm. kind of nothingness. Sadly. Uh, yeah, I, I don't know what happened, but I like the look of that video. But then all tech demo videos of games that never happened <laughs> always yeah. seem that kind of magical, like, oh, what could have been? And that's yeah. why I laughed when the, the things then just says, like, it could be your like, the Pilot Wings fan dreams turned yeah. to reality because, like, every pitch is that. Do you know what yeah. I mean? Like, look what we got. It's your mm-hmm. dream. And then it's just like, well, is, is it? <laughs> so, you know, yeah. tough one to talk about. It's a good video, though. Like, you know, as a, yes. as a Pilot Wings fan... Yeah, you know, it does make you go, oh, maybe it could be my dream. And I know we mentioned it in the last show, and I still can't remember its title other than it's got wings in. There has been something of a spiritual successor released very recently. Ultra wings. Ultra wings. Thank you. Uh, to mm. moderate, tepid reviews. Mm. I think there's a VR version. I think that's where it. Was that's where it started, fast, right? Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's never. It, it doesn't seem to have captured the imagination. Uh, and yeah it's a shame you know I mean maybe it's just the nature of it is not something that would fly these days I think I said the exact same terrible joke in the last (laughs) one which I didn't mean then either Um, but yeah it has an average of 70% on Switch on game rankings so clearly not a disaster maybe again and I probably said this maybe I should check it out but uh, the reviews aren't quite strong enough to make me go aha because I'm mm. just thinking oh, it won't be as good as Pilot Wing 64, yeah. even if the graphics are uh, more modern. As for the yeah. future, well, Nintendo Co. in Japan has recently filed for a trademark related to Pilot Wings. Even more interesting is this trademark specifically covers video games. Seeing the series return in HD would be swell, says Nintendo Enthusiast. This was August 2018. Not to swell. mention that the Switch's motion controls and HD rumble functionality would definitely be put to good use with such a game. Hmm. Unless you've got one of the new Switches, which doesn't have HD rumble. <laughs> uh, or motion control? I'm not sure. Um, but either way, uh, yes, I mean, I would love it if Nintendo suddenly announced a Direct and then suddenly said, oh, yeah, Pilot Wings Switch 2020, here it comes. But you'd just worry, wouldn't you, that it would be another slightly insipid hmm. uh, follow-up. But the last few years i know nintendo still do they're not they're not complete strangers to releasing things that are insipid disappointing follow-ups which aren't worthy of the name but also they're pretty strong their track record in recent years has been pretty strong compared to perhaps some of the some of the periods we've had in the last decade or so where they've put out a lot of stuff which just felt a bit kind of i don't know flimsy and toy-like rather than game-like if that's not Mm. too reductive um, no, would, I'm, I'm still on the side of. Would you be yeah, happy to see one? Um, well, uh, pilot wings, yeah, but I'm still on the side of. I want to see one that's based in like you know, kids' bedroom and stuff like that. I still want to see toy pilot oh, wings. Yeah, okay. Like well, that's still my that that is like if that's that's my dream term reality okay. in terms of a pilot wing sequel. Like um, toy commander on toy the... commander, exactly. Yeah, right. And with Labo. That's see. That's the thing that makes me think that they might do something with pilot wings if, if with Labo. But me and Labo like. It's such a one and done thing. I was just like, okay, that's that exists and it's pretty neat. But like, the the comfort of Labo is just like you wouldn't want a gyrocopter around with a Labo that you have to hold up to your own face. Like, if they're gonna do Labo, 
Mark Two. Like they need to have a strap, and it needs to be. Yeah. It just needs to be better, really, because it's not. Um, it's not fun. <laughs> it's just oh. quite painful. Oh. Look, you have to hold the thing up to your face, right? And it's oh, just right. like, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, it's just not a thing that you should be doing, like holding a switch up against your face or just a Labo cardboard thing. But the the actual premise of Labo in VR, and that's not the Labo show, but like, it's, it's decent, right? It's a decent thing to be doing. It's just the way you go about doing it. It just... should be non-VR Labo. It could just be a yeah, I mean, cardboard you can. thing with controllers. But, but, I mean, you can play the Labo stuff in non-VR, so you can just hold it around and just do that. But then, you know, it seems a bit... You'd have wings. You'd have wings. Hang on, is the big labo robot Mechahawk? <laughs> well, I'm turning it on tonight. I'll let you know. <laughs> so there we are. We're up to date with pilot wings, kinda. Uh, who knows what the future will bring? And we also have a three-word review. Well, we have two. As I said, <laughs> they're rather polar. Uh, mm. Follow us on Twitter at Kanerint. So we have MMA. Bra 48. I guess how, how I'm going to read that is um, Excitement Black Hole. Uh, but the Baboon Baron says perfect landing precision. So, yeah, I guess uh, there, it's probably good in a way to have MMA Bra's review. Don't even know if MMA Bra is a listener, but um, I suspect there were some people who bought their N64s for Mario and got pilot wings home and they were like, what the, what is this? It's a bit weird. <laughs> I was similar with Wave Race. I went out with the idea of buying Mario 64, right. trading him a PS1, getting Mario 64, and came back with Mario Kart and Wave Race. And I'm like, I don't like racing games. So I've got two of them. <laughs> but obviously Mario Kart's not really. It is, but it's not. Then I had a jet ski game. And I was like, it turns out, you know, I really like Wave Race 64. Spoilers oh, for whenever that show no, happens. But I was wait. not, I did not expect to come home with a jet ski game in my hand, you know? I love Wave Race 64. Yeah, we'll magic. definitely do that someday. We did 1080 a couple of years ago. So mm -hmm. it has to be done. Well, let's conclude. It's not one that we can really recommend currently because other than emulation, which won't mm. be the same because of the way it looks and the way it controls, unless you've got one of those kind of N64 controllers that you can plug into a PC and go the whole hog. If you're that keen on N64 stuff, you've probably got an N64. If you want to play N64 games at their best, you probably need at least an HDMI switch thing or if not a cathode ray tube and some mm. nice svhs cables or something like that but if you do have access to any of that stuff if you haven't got your complete collection of nintendo 64 games already i thoroughly recommend a copy of pilot wing 64 preferably ntsc even though i've never played it just because i know it's better um i absolutely loved this game i played it so much uh, it was as I say, it was a stalwart part of my N64 collection from minute one to whenever it was that I finally traded the old sucker in. Mm. And uh, I have, yeah, a lot of fond memories and just, yeah, watching videos back of it got so much nostalgia for the music and the settings. And yeah, weirdly, almost surprisingly, despite the decrepitude of the graphics in some ways, they still affect me mm. in a similarly positive way obviously they're not the you know state of the art like they were back then far 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 from it however moments like tipping over the the edge of a massive mountain on a hang glider and swooping down into a cannon or descending with a rocket belt into mm. a volcano and a network of cave uh caves under the under the island and going up to all the little details and hearing the extra little sound effects um, going through the flame above the chimney and getting yourself scorched 
<laughs> loads, of, <laughs> it's loads of cute little touches as well and details and yeah a real sense of uh place and sense of fun and yeah and also on top of it just a really exacting um but satisfying challenging video game so yeah i mm. love pilot wing 64 mm. and it's an, an eternal shame that they haven't really brought it back and when they did it was a bit disappointing i don't know if we'll ever see it's like again but um who knows someday we will i get I, what mm. i will say is i do get a little bit of the joy of it when playing the flying missions in gta 5 which is obviously a very different thing because you're playing as Trevor in those who is about as far away from a Nintendo character as you can imagine. <laughs> but the actual flying through the hoops and doing the stunts, uh, it's kind of, it's not a million miles away. So, yeah. Nuts and Bolts, like I said before, Nuts and Bolts has some really good pilot, pilot Wings-esque um, missions to be done and you can make your own plane, which is brilliant. Nice. You're doing that show later this year and I'm going to try to play along and finally oh, get that yeah. game played. So it's, yeah. there we go. That's it's you can play it on Xbox One right now in high definition, super high res. Free Game Pass too, right? Solid frame rate, frame rate and on Game Pass. There you go. We've just recommended Banjo-Kazooie Nuts and Bolts on the Pilot Wing 64 show. <laughs> Darren. <laughs> so Pilot Wing 64, yeah, it's, I it's a hard one to recommend because you know it's a it's a few hoops and hurdles to get, get through. Right through. So, yeah that's hey there we go sorry <laughs> but I, where else can you play other than like nuts and bolts and gta fly missions like where else can you really play a game like pilot wings and you just think well if you if you want to play a flights an amateur flight simulator then you're gonna to have to play pilot wings right because mm. there's nothing else really going on so yeah, I recommend Pilot in sixty four, and I you know I adore it. I think it has a few misgivings, but a lot of it is just uh, just joy. So yeah, if you've got the ability to play it, or or you know you got you know a friend who has, um, yeah, just just have a go and just pass the pad because it's such a good game to just yeah just a uh, knob around with cheese oh, around yeah. with. Sorry, yeah, it's, it's a just... great uh, it's a great Schadenfreude game in that you can be sitting there next yeah. to a friend, and when they when they screw the pooch, is just hilarious to. Yeah. to bait them about it yeah yeah so like, like i said there's there's some there's some really like juxtaposing like vibes in that game but yeah. i think it's it's overall it's for the the benefit of the player because it's just so funny at times like mecha hawk the the, ah! the harsh <laughs> then the harsh squealing of the people colliding into the cliffs and just just the weird stuff that goes on it's just yeah it's it's unlike any of anything else right and that's why i have to recommend it because where else can you play a game like Pilot in 64? Mm, lovely. I can only mm. do Mechahawk. I can't do the uh, the high-pitched character. Although I suppose Go um, Hawk himself or Goose. Hang on. Is Mechahawk's voice samples, Hawk samples slowed down? Don't do it. I don't know. Anyway, it remains for me, Leon, to thank Darren, as well as our correspondents, editor Jay, and to you for listening. If you've enjoyed this podcast and all the other podcasts we make, and you want us to keep making more podcasts, please do remember to rate, review, subscribe. Best of all, support us for a dollar a month. It's like 20p a week. Patreon.com slash Get every show earlier, often extended, exclusive monthly show and format specials three months early. Currently, the Amiga show, which is getting rave reviews, is out there hmm. for Patreons. And, uh, and we, we also love you for it. Thank you very much. Next time in issue 381, hack into the jagged minds of the insane in our Observer podcast.